Welcome back to the Hunger for Knowledge podcast. If uh, you're out there listening, I want to thank you for for checking us out one more time. You know, um, tonight uh, we have my friend Mike here, and uh, you know he he's he's writing a book called uh, Living in the Spirit of Grace. That's right, right? That's right. And uh, yeah, he's. He's just going to talk to us a little bit about, you know, the the premise of, of his book and um, how that really deals with, uh, you know, the relationships that we find ourselves in in life. So, yeah, you, Mike, uh, it's it's good to finally get you here, you know. You know, we uh, things happen when they're supposed to happen. And that I've always enjoyed your company because you understand stuff like that. Well, everything happens for a reason. And... Um to me, I live in a world that the spirit is always present, and it's just a matter if I'm conscious of that spirit and how my energy is flowing out of me, how I'm feeling. In most cases, I'm attempting to be grounded and um, centered in my heart. I do have my challenges like everybody else, but um, I think that the longer you have an intention and that energy and follows that intention. I feel the closer you are to being have having a, a layer or a level of success within that intention. And I've held the intention of allowing grace to lead my life, I would say most definitely the last year. I've really started tuning into uh, becoming a better man within the spirit about eight years ago. When me and my ex um, ended a relationship, so um, I really did soul searching during that time. Really um, started learning about affirmations and tuning into what it is that I'm looking to create in my world. And um, this is like a culmination now, living in the spirit of grace. Just a little bit about how I feel about grace. Grace is when I looked it up, it it means unmerited favor. This is nothing that I can say that I deserved or that I worked really hard for other than just having the intention of allowing grace to be present in my life. But um, it's really a what they call a gift from God is grace. We all know the story about grace within the Bible. And um, to me, in the Bible, there I have a very unique perception about Genesis and the beginning of the the Bible story. And back in Genesis, they were talking about the kingdom of heaven. And Adam and Eve were in the kingdom at that time. And um, they were told by God to not eat from a certain tree. And that certain tree was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Under my understanding is they ate from that tree of knowledge of good and evil and they created judgment in their life. So my understanding is, is through the, the story of the Bible with um, Jesus coming and dying for people's sins and going on the cross, that he was really implementing grace to all those that were to believe in his, the story of Jesus and um, what he has given to his brothers and sisters that are on earth. So when people believe in grace, 
they feel they are now saved and one day they will be with God and there will be no sickness, no pain, no heartache, and they will be able to live pretty much through their hearts and probably live a miraculous life. Uh, Most Christians believe that that is next life. However, my intention is to bring that next life thought patterns and ideas to this life. I believe that, as Jesus said, that the kingdom of heaven is neither here nor there, but it is within side of you. Now, how do we get to that place where we are in the kingdom of heaven? Going back to the Jesus story and the grace, when you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and basically you've accepted grace, the gift of unmerited favor, you are now eating from the tree of life again. You are as if you were without sin, which to me, I would rather change the word sin to sin, separation in mind, because that's really the only place that it occurs. God is all loving. God is love. So if God's out there, and to me, God is everywhere. God's in here. God's within all things. If you accept that grace, you are now without sin. You are now living in the spirit of love and you are in the kingdom of God. And you are now almost like an angel. You are perfect within your soul. When you are tuned into feeling and administrating the spirit of grace in your world, in your perception, in your intention. I actually lived in, the, in what I call in heaven for about two weeks. And how I lived in heaven for those two weeks is because I was sharing the story of grace as far as my perception was. That when we accept grace, we accept that unmerited favor. And to me, what that unmerited favor really is, it's unconditional love. How many people or how many... How many people are in your life that you are sharing unconditional love with? What I found in my own life, and um, it is the past, it was who I was at one point, but I draw, we, I draw people into my life, experiences in my life for my greatest amount of gold, our uh, greatest amount of soul growth. So what ends up happening is, is you, you create and cause challenges in your life, what we call trials. And those trials, to me, are opportunities for soul growth. So in the past, I was blessed with some people that would teach, will be my teachers and give me an opportunity for soul growth to understand who I am, where I am, where I, what my intention is, and one day to be able to be there. And really, that is love. A lot of, but back then, what I was doing, I was having a conditional love. I was having a love that was based upon, if you do what I ask you to do, or if you do everything that I want you to do, I will be able to love you. But as soon as you start thinking for yourself and acting for yourself, and if I don't like that, then I'm probably going to reserve my love or I'm going to take my love away from you. And that's what I call conditional love. And to me, that's not love at all. That's manipulation. So back to my story. When you receive that unmerited favor, that unconditional love, 
that grace and you're back in the kingdom of heaven again, there's no need to judge. In fact, judgment is what knocks you out of being in the kingdom of heaven. So I was sharing this story of grace with everybody. And anybody who wanted to listen, I was sharing that story with them. And they were telling me, oh, you need to come talk to my pastor. You need to talk to this person. You need to talk to my (laughs) mother-in-law. I know I didn't say that to you because I was understanding. I, I was so glad to have somebody, have another human being explain to me something that was something that I had been kind of thinking about too. You know, nobody else really in my life could really have that conversation about grace. I can't even imagine having that conversation (laughs) with maybe anyone in my life, you know, because it's, it's, it, in this world, that's a far away concept. The idea that heaven is a state of mind is something that is, you know, it, that's a hard thing for anybody to kind of grasp because, you know, I think people naturally, you know, you, you have people pass and you want to believe, you want to believe that there's something better after you die. I don't know. I've never, you know, I've never claimed to know what happens after you die. But like you've been saying, while we're here, we do have the choice to uh, choose what perception we're going to use, how, what kind of colored glasses we're going to use uh, for life. We, we can live in, like you said, in that spirit of grace where, like you said, it's unmerited. That's a, that's, that was a great way of putting it, unmerited. I don't need you to do something in order for me to love you in that way. You know what I mean? I don't need that. I don't need for you to do do something good for me in order for me to uh, see your worth and value. That is that is being. And I get kicked out of heaven a lot, <laughs> a lot. But I reach heaven usually every day. At some point in time, I'll be there, and then one day, I, you know. I'll be there one minute, and next minute, and I'll be like, oh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> I got to get back in there. What did you think about all that, Rob? Um, you being not the, uh, not the religious type. I mean, it was pretty interesting. It's, it's a way of hearing somebody explain religion in a completely different way than I've ever heard it before. Yeah. You know, I'm used to the you know, what we talked about before, the, the standard kind of straightforward Bible talk and sermons and but that's just a different way of of thinking about it, which makes a lot more sense to me than the, the more traditional way. Um so from that standpoint I have a little better understanding and and get it a little more from that standpoint. So but well, back to um, sharing the message with people when they were like, you need to go talk to this person and go talk to that person. And it was really, um, it felt wonderful. Um, it was strange. I can remember this one, <laughs> I was there talking to this Amish guy. Um, and 
These chickens came walking up to the window. We should probably they grew clear it down in the basement. Should probably clear that up. We live in Lancaster County, where there's Amish people. So there's, Amish there's people all yeah. The time. yeah. So I see Amish people every day. <laughs> well, I was I was at an Amish person's home and I was working on his fee. I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner specializing in foot reflexology, nutrition, and detox. I was at this gentleman's house and I was um, working on his feet for different health challenges. And um, I was sharing the story of grace, you know, about being in the kingdom of heaven again, the kingdom of God, um, just by releasing our need to judge and just just accepting and, and surrendering to what is and not attempting to control every aspect of your life. And um, so anyways, I was sharing this with this gentleman and these chickens came walking up to the window and these chickens are like looking in the window at me. You guys understand this, don't you? <laughs> You're speaking in that other language. <laughs> it was just almost like a little sign or something. I don't know. It was a strange sign, but how many times do you have chickens come looking in a window down in the basement at you? So I was like, I don't know. They must have got this. But I was in, I was really honestly in, I was feeling like I was in the kingdom of heaven. So I was like, anything's open. It makes sense. This makes sense that you're you're in a place where you've taken the judgment away from the things that you're encountering. So, on some level, any everything that comes into contact with you has to be aware of that. They're they're picking up on that. They, you know, I think people kind of, uh, it, you know, that it's part of your essence. You know, you people catch on to a person who is uh, judging them, and, and and likewise a person who's not. So, um, how did how did people uh, respond to, to to your theory of uh, of Genesis? And, and they really took well to it. That's I was very surprised because um, I was working with some Mennonites as well, and um, they were all happy about my um, discovery, this awareness, and I was very surprised with that. That's that's great. <laughs> Then, then I ended up starting to judge who I was going to share this message with, and guess what happened? They got booted out, man. They got yeah. the sword. They say there was a burning sword, and they got kicked out. <laughs> oh man, I was certainly out, and um, I pretty much spent a lot of time outside. But I was gathering other information. You know, this is a journey. This is a spiritual journey. This is a path that we are on. And I think ultimately it is, it's a path of um, really love. It's a path of attempting to live through your heart and to give unconditional love, which is unmerited favor to others. And um, I know there's, in, in our daily lives, there's plenty of opportunities to figure something that you don't like out about somebody. Generally, the, the most closest people to you or, you know, you... In a heartbeat. Even yourself. Yeah. You know? Like, what don't you like about yourself when you look in the mirror? That's easy to focus on. You I think yourself right? all the time. <laughs> when you look, think about it, and if you have a, a mind that kind of works in a logical way or that kind of standpoint, you're always kind of, almost always judging anyways because you're trying to figure out and, and um, decipher information and decipher people. I mean, I have a tr I a lot of times have a hard time if I meet people. I don't. Most of the time, I'm already like 
logically thinking what kind of type of person they are, which is a judgment. So it's, you know, it's not great, but that's just how I am. And, and maybe because I've just never been around the greatest people, you know, or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's an interesting way to think of it, though, you know, from your standpoint. Yeah, when you're um, walking down the street, you're always looking like automatically you look at their face, you look at their clothes, you look at their teeth, yeah. you know, you're just constantly monitoring and like they say within the first 15 seconds of meeting somebody, you've already judged them. You already have them categorized and I'll, it would be funny just to see all the computations that's taking place when you're actually seeing, looking at somebody. It's like <laughs> computer systems are going off right That's now. That's what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Terminator when they yeah, the Terminator will find somebody and they yeah. analyze their <laughs> statistics and that's what you do on a normal basis. It just doesn't have a physical, like you just don't see it physically, but you're looking at it like, oh man, I don't think that this is my type of person. Computing <laughs> 15 seconds, that's, yeah, all, that's it takes. all it takes. That's really where we are as humankind. I mean, we are looking, we're judging leaders, we're judging systems, we're judging friends, we're judging our loved ones, and we're judging ourselves. And um, it's really makes me sad. It kind of makes me sad. It makes me feel sad to really think about how many times we've judged other people, which ultimately reflect back on to us because we are all connected. We are all one. I looked up the word whole, holy, when I'm looking up that word, holy spirit. So I broke down the word holy and look at the word whole. And then, the, and then the, the Y, the Y is basically all-encompassing. It adds to the whole. So ultimately, the Holy Spirit means the Spirit, the whole the Spirit wholeness. is all there is. Wholeness. Believe this or not, this is a huge point. The Spirit that dwells within you, all within all your cells, to keep your cells alive without you having to figure out what you need to do next to keep yourself alive, like keep your heart beating, how much fun would that be? <laughs> you can't half the time you can't remember, you know, to grab your keys when you walk out the door. <laughs> the simple things like that. Yeah. So obviously, there's something else that's holding us all together, and holding these cells together, you know, holding um, all the constructs that we see around us. Everything has this spirit in it, and they've actually spend quite a bit of money to create a um, some kind of telescope that can look at the atom, break down the atom, and all it is is light. That's all, yeah. That's, that's what you find out at the very base level of things. This is all like a light show. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, what? it's a lot, all light show. It blew my mind when I realized that. I was like, what? Like, this is all just light? That's all this is. It's like if you think about things like movies or the control of any kind of light, like putting things in the visual spectrum is kind of what this entire thing sort of seems to be about. Like, can you create a reality? You know, and that's very strange. Well, we have that reality that's being created for us. It's called programming. Oh, yeah, we have a program. <laughs> we have yeah. tons of programming that we have to break through to actually get into the kingdom of heaven, believe that or not. 
you were one of the first people to really like talk about programming to me in a way that made me understand that that's happens on a societal level that you you're you're literally given a, a programming and that frames your reality that i remember when i you know because you know like we knew each other but it's like at some point in time you start talking about you you start getting into the depths of the person you know and that takes time sometimes you know it, with me it definitely takes i mean i would like to go there with people but I often encounter, and I know you experience this, I often encounter people who don't want to reach that kind of depth. <laughs> that's all like, when we're together, that's all we're in. Yeah. That's what I prefer. I live, I, I prefer I live to live in that, that world like 24-7. Yeah. And um, I think that this podcast that I was blessed to be a part of, I think that's going to help open up some more doors so that I can converse uh build relationships with more people like you will and and i know rob you're open-minded you're uh, very open-minded i really appreciate that i know you're interested in growing um especially like getting better at basketball and the spirit of basketball <laughs> mike also play. mike also plays basketball with yeah, us we, all play basketball. <laughs> we seem to always come back to basketball well, yeah. at some point when we're talking yeah, it's very interesting to watch Will play basketball <laughs> no, no. because um, his name is Will for a reason, but <laughs> it comes so naturally and so easily for him. <laughs> I wish that was true. I wish. No, I mean, isn't I, it interesting though that you think it doesn't come naturally, but we look at you and think it comes so naturally. I think it looks like it looks like that, and only because. I realized at some point in time I put a ridiculous amount of time into basketball. When I was younger, like I was kind of socially awkward in the sense like I remember at the rec, I would be in the gym by myself shooting and stuff and like the kids who were like in my grade would be coming out of like the dances and stuff. And I would be there like shooting by myself and like it did affect me socially. So it's like is it natural? Maybe some of it, but there is this other part that, like, I I put a lot of time into it. I remember hearing how much time Kobe put into was, it. Yeah. Kobe put ridiculous amount. I think Kobe tried, like, to be the best. He made the best attempt to be the best basketball player out of anybody I've ever seen because he structured his entire life around it, which seems kind of nuts, but it's like the game can take you over like that. That's when you think Tiger Woods when they show pictures yeah. of him being like seven, eight years old and he's on the tee, you know, and and that was his life. And he was like seven or eight, you know, so it's hard. To, it's not it's not it's almost not surprising to see what he became, but it it's is kind of surprising because the odds are against him. But it's pretty incredible. Probably the amount of work he put in at seven or eight that we couldn't even imagine, you know. Well, I look at Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, he performed at his best when he was sick. So he was basically out of his mind he was in a when state. he was playing basketball. Yeah. He was out of his mind. Yeah. yeah. And he, so look what happened. He allowed this, to me, what probably might as well call it the spirit of basketball to play, play through him. That's, <laughs> That's what my intention is, actually, when I play basketball. I just have to get my ego out of the way. And that could be the biggest challenge. And to me, I call the that, ego edging is, God out. Edging God out. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's a good acronym. 
edging, edging God out. Yeah, that's the truth. Definitely, it's hard in basketball though because you, I get caught in the egotism of it sometimes without need. Like I tell people, I do things on basketball courts sometimes to try to demoralize people, and that's uh, to me that's kind of like a uh, that the only. Like, I feel like me in real life, like, I never really have that want to demoralize a person. But in this game, I'm trying to make you think I'm something different than you. That's the first off, that's like the first, that's that's the first tactic to make you believe that you're not even on my level. That I can do things that you can't even conceive. I think when competitive juices come out, things come out that we're not normal normally like you know it, it does things where it drives us in different ways you know and i think that's part of that you're not I, walking around like trying to get 20 rebounds yeah. in everyday life you're you know you just it's a different mate uh train of thought it is you know i i remember hearing magic johnson say that there was a complete difference between himself, Irvin, and then the basketball player, Magic. That they were almost two different, like, Magic was his shadow. Like, that's kind of what comes out of, I I try not to let it take over, but, like, my wife, like, she'll be like, what do you mean you try to demoralize people? She's like, that's not (laughs) even, like, how you, like, operate. And I was like, no, but in this game, this is all, it's just a game. I'm not trying to make this person think I'm a better person. Yeah. I'm trying to make this person believe I'm a far better basketball player than they are so that they don't believe in themselves as much. So that kind of stuff affects your energy and your ability to guard me. Well, that's imposing your will on somebody. That's, it, it's imp- that's all I really that's think what it basketball is. is about. It's about imposing your will. Because you can run up and down. Everybody knows you yep. like to see. Nobody wants to be the person just running up and down the court. Nope. You want to impose your will. You want to get a couple steals. You want your hands on the ball. Get some rebounds. Get some and definitely points. Hopefully know? Mike makes a good pass and he's above the 10% yeah, line. You know, I'm just saying. I had to throw that oh, in okay. here at some point. Yeah, Mike, Mike, <laughs> that's why, Mike is like, a, you know, he's, he's like an ageless wonder. You know, he, he, keeps, it's sticking, true. he it's true. keeps sticking around with people who are uh, getting progressively younger. I'm watching it happen myself, you know. Uh, every once in a while, you, you st- look at the person you're guarding, you're like, this person's like 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, I, I mean, I'm only 31, but still, it's like, uh, you know. Those kids are young on those Sunday games. Some of them aren't even some 20 those, years old. Yeah, some of those kids are like 18, 19 yeah. years old. Hans told me that you're playing like a 20-year-old. That makes sense. It's yeah. it's a mindset too, you it know. It, you, you know, well, you're not getting like not having an old mindset, you know. And I think that's a that's a positive having thing. Having a progressive yeah. mindset, you know. You, that that's, yeah. Well, I, my intention really is to healthy. grow. My intention is to grow younger. I honestly believe that our thoughts, ultimately our judgments of other people, has created the aging process within my body. And so, as I release my need to judge others. Uh, my my need to the judgment of myself will ultimately dissipate as well, and as that judgment and those emotional scars of the previous judgments, and when you think about those previous judgments, what that does, it actually it re-energizes those cells that are containing those emotions, those memories in them, and that actually 
as a part of the aging process in my mind. That I think that that's uh, that's that's totally plausible. You know, I've I've often tried to figure out what it is that makes people age or makes things age in general. It's a program. You've been programmed to age. Well, think about how when you're young and you're a little kid, you just have no judgments. You have no preconceived perceptions, right? You just kind of like, you know, you're just living by the second. You don't have any of that. And as you grow older, however that happens, you know, it, it, it happens. And, you know, when you're a little kid, you just, you're free, you know, you're out playing, you're not thinking about any of that stuff, you know? And I think there's a Bible verse that talks about um, be like a child to enter into the kingdom of yeah, heaven. Now, what is it about children that yeah, yeah. you value that basically sets a child apart from an adult? I think, I think in reality, I think you've convinced me, <laughs> I think you've convinced me that, uh, that that might actually really be what what this is what that is all about. Cause look at what look at what happens when you start to read the Bible literally. It becomes something that you can't agree with morally, and something that is kind of bewildering to a person who lives in the world. Cause you're like, okay, here's this story, and uh, okay, snakes don't talk to people. Um, you know, you can't fit all of the animals on the planet <laughs> on a boat. You start to realize these things, like, just from the reality that you live in. But when you look at the Bible from a more metaphysical standpoint, what is what is actually trying to be communicated here? Let's treat it like a mythology. Because in mythology, those things are encoded. Those things, somebody was trying to... I believe somebody was trying to communicate this through this story, and I think you figured out the metaphysical. And, you know, and who knows? Maybe there's different perspectives of it, but that's a plausible to me metaphysical understanding of that story. That this is really about you. This is a story about uh, you coming to grips with the idea that when you start thinking, you know good and evil, you get into this judgment and then you're booted out of your heavenly state as, you know, li living. <laughs> that, 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 that makes so much sense to me that it's, it's, even if somebody disagrees, it'll always be something that's right to me. You know, <laughs> like, like that makes sense to me. It, 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 nobody else could explain that story to me, I think, better than that, than that, understanding. Well, it takes you to the, um, you brought up metaphysical, there's other things called uh, quantum physics. There's lots of different words out there, and to me what it all describes is what we call the spiritual world. And the spiritual world, in my mind, governs the physical. So, and the spiritual world can be as simple as what's going on in your mind, what your thoughts are. That's creating your spiritual world. It's creating your perception. It's going to be your interaction with God. So we really have to be conscious of, back to the judgment thing, is what are we creating with this judgment? Um, let's, and I want to take this into relationships. Um, we have, everybody has 
at least one relationship, whether it's with their mother or father, uh, their children, their aunts and uncles, their cousins, um, their friends. Um, you're building relationships with people. You're always involved in relationships. I feel like how can you make a difference? How can you make the biggest difference in your relationship with others? To me, it would be obvious a very simple thing would be to apply unconditional love, to apply grace, to give them unmerited favor, even though they are pushing your buttons. And you feel very angry, you feel frustrated, you feel like you want to get out of that relationship. But ultimately what's happening is is they're giving you a platform to know God, for your soul growth, for you to come back to giving ultimately unconditional love again. And then watch what happens to that relationship. Um, Will, I know that being your friend, I know that in the past um, you've had one situation where um, you and your wife um, were having a disagreement about something and I shared with you about giving unconditional love instead of um, attempting to get your point across which we mostly always do. We're always attempting to get an understanding, right? I've had a plenty of relationships fail because I needed an understanding. And really, ultimately, what is an understanding? Somebody is getting forced to stand under somebody else's opinion. And so that's a great way to ruin and end a relationship. Who gets to win? Nobody's going to... No, nobody wins nobody that because... You might win that argument, but That's you lost the relationship. Yeah. yeah. So back to your, you know, what you told me, I shared that information you, yeah. to you to share unconditional love, and you told me you did. Now, could, would you like to explain that? I think, well, when you said that to me, I think really what it did was it, it, uh, it fine-tuned me because I think I've all... Not always, but there came a point in time in my life where I realized that the more I could give out unconditional love, um, the more I could do it, the more peaceful my life would be. So I remember, you know, you, you know, we were probably probably at basketball, you know, and you know how you know how it is. Things can happen in the morning, you know. <laughs> Might might make you you know, cause you know how it is. You can see Mike knows kind of when I'm cloudy, you know. He he can see it. He can see my essence, and that's because he actually pays attention to those kinds of things. And um, so I think he he realized the, the, a certain cloudiness in me, and and, and he really uh, this was the first time I think I actually heard you talk about um, the idea of the book. You know, I think it was still in its formulation. And, uh, and uh, that's why it's really awesome now to see that, you know, you, you, you eventualized it, you know, that you're actualizing it, even though it, it was being built at the time. But and it still is, actually. It's, and it's still... This be, is a part of it. Yeah, you know, it's a part of it, but it's, it's still going. You know, it, sometimes it just takes it to, you know... It's hard to continue things sometimes. You know, things can lose energy. You can start a project, and, and you know, it 
it loses its kind of inertia, and then all of a sudden you're kind of like, oh, I think it's time for the next thing. But that didn't happen with this, and it's and it's continuing. And with me, you know, you you reminded me. You said, look, that's <coughs> you you said that to me, and I had ears to hear it. Because you probably could have said that to somebody, and they just would have been like, whatever, you know. Absolutely. So that's that's I think that's another big part of this. You know, it you're speaking to people who have to have you have to be open enough to bring this in and learn from it what what you can. And that's you know I people have to have a willingness to listen. Yeah, it's like my music. I tell people my music. I make my music for everyone, but it's not for everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's not for everybody. I would love it to be listened to by everyone, but it's only for those who actually have ears to hear it. You know, it's only for those people. But if you grow ears to hear it, I would love for anyone to to, to take from it what you can. And with something like this, first of all, you know, there are going to be people who uh, who are going to be so kind of wrapped up in the traditional idea of the story in the literal sense who say oh well no that it, it, that's not how this is a real story and this really happened 4,000 years ago or however many you know 6,000 however many some people are going to still view it like that but for those who can open themselves up to it they can really take something from it that is applicable to every day and that is, um, I think that's that's the gift in this. The gift is you're trying to uh, you're trying to alleviate um, people's pain because realistically, it's our relationships in life that really, I think, give us the greatest deal of distress. You know, these relationships that we you get in with people who uh, you know we're not all we're not the same. We get in relationships like a cherry and a lemon pie getting smashed together. We're we're opposites attract. We, you know, we we're not this. You know, we're fundamentally the same thing, but we're different aspects of that thing. And because of that, you know, we see things differently. And then when you get in relationship, whatever that relationship be, you start trying to fuse a world together. And uh, that that there's a lot of turbulence. <laughs> And trying to fuse a world together with people who've been growing up as two completely different people. Yeah, I call them expressions of God. Yeah. Everybody here, everybody you know, so they're all expressions of God. We're all here on a path to know God. It's like I call it playing hide and go seek with God. God's actually everywhere, but you want to cry out and say, oh God, where are you? But that's really what is the Holy Spirit. That is God. It's everywhere. It's at all time, all places at all times. It's just a matter, are you going to be grounded? Are you going to be balanced? Are you going to be open? Are you ready for to, are you ready to um, surrender your will and allow the greater will of just being present? And the miracles that are caught up in that and being present, allow them to be expressed in your life? Or are you going to attempt to just control and manipulate your way through life? 
So ultimately, well, that, those are our choices. There's a book out there that I read called Power Versus Force. And um, you can get really, that's what goals are always all about. You can pretty much um, use force to get whatever you wish for in this, on this earth. But um, what I've discovered is that the best way to, re- to uh, get things in this life is by receiving them, by seeing the Spirit give them to you. It, ge- it brings me tremendous amount of joy. And um, I see that happening on a daily basis in my life. And um, it's, it, there's nothing better than to, to find out that Rob and Will want to do a podcast. They want me to be a part of it. They, um, they want me to share about living in the spirit of grace because they know I'm writing a book. Um, that's the spirit right there. They, I didn't ask them if I could be a part of a podcast. They asked me. So what's next? You know, who's, where, how is God going to work in somebody else through people to assist me with this book? or to get this message out to other pastors, or ultimately to get this message out to people that are struggling in their relationships with somebody that they really love. People that they decided they were going to marry because they were that much in love with. But then come to find out, like they started concentrating on the things that separated them or divided them, the things that made them... My dogs are like going a little bit crazy That's here. That's good. That's <laughs> how you keep it raw. Yeah. I'm um, sure the other people that listen. Re- this is a real conversation. That kind of stuff happens. The people that listen to the other podcasts understand dog anyway, noises. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't hurt his, <laughs> they heard his dogs up there. Barking. Getting mad. That they know I'm down there. <laughs> You gotta come let them down. Yeah, they gotta. They have to make sure uh, everybody, everything's kosher. I'm not getting attacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. But that's what it's about. Like living in the spirit of grace. Like I understand that the dogs can start going after each other and doing whatever they have to do. Now I can get all upset and lose my cool and start to judge and say, oh, this is a failure. I can't believe there's going to be this background information, this sound that people are going to be turned off about. Those are all thoughts that could run through somebody's mind, right? But guess what? You say, you know what? It is what it is. I surrender to this moment, and I want to see the blessing in this. You know what's great about dogs, right? and kind of goes along with this, is they have no judgment. They have unconditional love. Yes, they do. Right? They're the first ones that come to the door when you get home. I mean, they, they're the first ones that give me a kiss when I get home. They don't care. They they run down the steps. They're scraping at the door. They're, they're, they're excited. And there's no judgment. It's just unconditional love. Maybe that's because they know you've got to feed them, but <laughs> they, they get fed without you. But it's unconditional love. I think it's deeper. Yeah, but I definitely think it's a deeper thing than just that, that, that you're going to feed them. You know, it's this idea that you know, they don't get into, <laughs> a dog doesn't care how much money you make. Yep. A dog doesn't care um, <laughs> if you snore or something, you know, like they don't, and that's that's what I think we encounter with Not children. Not judgmental. That's, what we, that's why we love children because, you know, sometimes with my, you know, sometimes I just, I grab one of my kids and it's just, it's so welcoming to understand the fact that like 
they don't know the, my complexities. They don't know my shortcomings and my failures and things of that nature. Like they, so I'm just their dad, you know. And of course, you know, I know, you know, when your kids get older, they do get more of an understanding of the entirety of you. But when they're in that particular age where it's like, you know, I'm not even, I can't, I'm not judging you because, you know, you're, you're great to me, you know. Isn't that weird how we always talk about kids and like the teenage years is always the roughest, but yet, or that's kind of what a lot of people say, I guess, but when, and when they're younger, that's like everybody in, I guess, enjoys children more. I don't know. It seems like that's kind of like the progression of it, right? The kids are not, have no judgments and no preconceived notions about anything. And as they get older, they learn that stuff. And then that, and then it becomes harder to raise them as they get older. It's the programming. Well, Judgment is the programming, and that is the absolute reality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's something that's really important to me is to allow children to be children and stop turning them into little adults. Yeah. And um, we, we basically are telling them, oh, you need to be perfect. You need to be perfect because I'm perfect. Because I want everything around me to be perfect. It has to be perfect. But think about throughout your day, every day, like how many things actually go your way? And then one thing doesn't go your way, and what do you say? The world's against me. Oh, the cards are stacked. You're having a bad day, right? You know, oh, man. 99% of the things that you planned out before your day start go right every day after day after day. So look at that programming. You're creating, you created your day. But could you create that day with some more grace in it? Could you, um, somebody tries to cut you off or something, could you like let them go and smile and understand where they're at in their life and be like, you know what, I was there. I'm not going to judge you for where you are right now because I was there. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to attempt to possibly make your life a little bit easier. I'm going to give you love. I'm going to do something that's going to be loving for you. Here, go in front of me. Let me do that. Let me do that for you because I know that you're stressing out right now. And that's um that changes what you're doing is you're not you're doing it for that other person, right? But guess who you're really doing it for? You're freeing up. You're giving yourself grace. You're the one who receives it. You could get all stressed out and start calling names and saying all kinds of things to that other person that's like half in front of you and you could actually continue to go when you ram right into their side door, right? You could do that. That is a choice. Or you could grab a cup of coffee and you could throw it out your window right into their window. That's another choice. But guess who's getting the coffee, coffee thrown on them? You are. You're the one who's going to be wearing that coffee, and you might end up being wearing handcuffs as well. That's the absolute truth. So what choice just, are you going to make? Situation like, I just saw a situation like that the other day. It's, it's the ability to do that. First of all, I think that it takes... I think, I think there's things like patience, certain virtues help you along in being able to find grace in the situation. Because in reality, if you don't have if you can't if you can't see why it's not a good idea to engage people like that, 
if you can't, if you don't have the patience to, to, to say, hey, okay, maybe in this particular situation things aren't going my way, but let's not make this something like drastic. Let's not make a drastic uh, decision here and create, uh, you know, a perpetual hell in a day. Because I think we all know what that's like too. When you start to make certain negative types of decisions and you can see them in your actions. You know, you, you did this. So then later on in the day you did this. And then it culminated in something eventually. It was, it was an argument built, with somebody. Yeah, you were you end up and turning into an argument with your significant other. Yeah, you know, your now, favorite person on earth now has now to feel all this. that negative energy that you created and harnessed and developed all day long. And and the, and the tragedy of it is is that something that happened in the day might lead to you laying in the bed with the person you love the most, with your backs to each other, like. In an attempt, like trying, you're trying to get away from that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the kind of stuff that you that 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 negativity can build. But that's why I think that the, the idea of grace is such a uh, an important concept for people because it's like you have another choice. You can build another type of day. You can build another day where you're on top of the person, not laying up, not laying. You know, you're not laying back to back. Be on top. Be on do. Be touching. You know what I mean. <laughs> you, don't. I don't want. No. My days are not. No good days. You know. A good day to me would end that way. But if you don't cultivate that in your day, most likely your day is not going to end like that. And you know your whole day. You know. Uh, it's. It, you can build a day. You're always building a day. You're, You're building, building a moment. This, the thoughts that you're having right now is creating your future. What kind of future do you choose to create? I have a good example here. I had a, a nurse came over. This is probably like, probably almost 10 years ago. Or no, a little bit more. Like say eight years ago, there was a nurse that came over. One of my friends came over for lunch. She worked at the uh, Alfreda Hospital. She had somebody come in there and pretty much just unload their children on her because she was working in the children unit and um, she got stressed out about this because it wasn't the first time this lady has done that I mean this is a hospital not a babysitting program but anyways so she actually told this lady how she really felt about what she was doing just dropping her children off and like leaving and um, that lady went and talked to her boss like she saw that happening like they were talking to each other and and she knew that it wasn't good she got a message she went for lunch she got a message from her boss that after um, she comes back from lunch they need to have a conversation so then in the meantime she came over to me and um, I made lunch and we were talking about the situation and she told me, like, I am going to be in a lot of trouble because of what I shared with this lady. I pretty much gave her a piece of my mind, so to speak. I said, okay, I know we can change this. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take some deep breaths. We're going to get into prayer. And we're going to send love, send thoughts of love to your boss and to that lady who was upset about how what you said to her. And we did that for a few minutes. 
And um, she went back to work. And then she told me afterwards that not only did her boss not bring up the situation with that lady, but her boss opened up to her about situations that were personal to her boss and became like very emotionally connected to her, to the nurse that thought she was going to be in trouble. And I've seen this happen many a times. One time I was, I was playing basketball and uh, with these guys over in Lidditz. And um, I knew they were, it was like a gradual week-to-week thing. It just kept on getting worse. Like attitudes just kept getting worse. I was becoming defensive. Um, sometimes people have gotten stressed out because of the ball going in the hoops with craziness behind it. <laughs> <laughs> so they would actually start to give me a hard time because this was happening. They were like getting angry. Because you made a shot? Yeah, because the shots would go in. My crazy in. shots. You know what they I'm talking about. They get people mad. That's what I try to get people mad. <laughs> <laughs> so they were giving me stress about this and it, congr- it was gradually getting worse. And Because uh, I was being defensive and that doesn't help matters at all. And that's actually... Uh, that's judgment, you know. I have to. I'm thinking about them acting, being mean to me, being rude to me, and so I'm judging how they're thinking towards me, and it actually causes like a snowball effect. It's leading. It's leading up to it. It's adding to it. It's creating more negative energy. So I decided I'm going to start seeing the basketball as like a ball of loving energy. So I, when I grab the ball to go and pass it to them, bam! They just got. <laughs> basketballed with some loving energy on it behind the back love pass yeah so it was actually it was a very good intention it was to basically bring healing in that relationship to but ultimately to make playing basketball like one of my favorite things to do easier and um guess what ended up happening the one guy hurt himself and stopped coming and then the other person started being nice to me took me on a motorcycle ride with him I was like, what? <laughs> Inviting me to go play basketball at other places. This guy, Tony, I don't know if you ever met him. But anyways, it just totally changed my relationship with one of them and the other guy was gone. Like, you never know what's going to happen. All you have to do is just release your need to judge, give unconditional love and watch what happens. Because it creates miracles. It really does. Um, just like in a relationship with your significant other, if you can say, if you can just step back and be like, you know what, I am not going to defend myself any longer. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be present. I'm just going to actually be loving in the face of this adversity. You don't react. I'm not going to react. You don't react. Because that reaction is basically me being defensive and me me judging you. And you know what I'm doing? I'm really not judging this moment, I'm judging all those previous moments that we've had in the past, all those other challenges that I'm still holding on to because I haven't been able to forget. And because I haven't forgotten that, I'm actually not forgiving. Ultimately, that means I'm not forgiving. So I'm not being charged by this moment. I'm being charged and reactive and defensive from all those other relationships even relationships not just as one relationship with my partner right now or my lover or my best friend or whoever it is my new friend it, has no, it really has nothing to do with them 
It has everything to do with the collective of your judgments of yourself ultimately, but they're judgments of other people throughout all the years you have not been able to release. So now this person who came into, recently came into your life or the person that you love the most is now going to be the... You're going to consider them the trigger. They're ultimately going to be the trigger for your emotions, your emotional baggage, the things that you're still holding on to to come out. You're basically throwing up all this negative energy in this, to this person that you truly love and you truly want to be with for the rest of your life. And you even took a marriage vow to be there with them through thick and thin, you know, for better and for worse. And here you are. You're still carrying all those old relationships. You're still carrying all those old judgments of, of yourself and, of your, and uh, of your experiences with even your mom and your dad. And your brothers and sisters growing up. So here you are. You're holding on to all that negative energy. So I've come up with a way to have a different perception of forgiveness and forgetting. Like how easy is it for you guys, before I get into that solution, possible solution for you. It's my spiritual solution. I hope, and well, it's not even mine. I've been blessed with... Um, very good people to come into my life, be my teachers, um, some through heartache and some through just unconditional love and, and joy. But because of that and because of the, of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, all the different words that people or names that people have for it, expressing through those moments and those situations gave me the realization and the understanding to me of really what forgiveness and forgetting really means. But before I get to that point, I um, want to hear what my brothers have to say. Rob, what, Go ahead. What do you think? Uh, that's a lot to take in. <laughs> <laughs> Made some good points. I mean, uh, I think the the idea of the the previous relationships other than the ones you have currently is a good point because you drag all that with you, all the baggage with you into your current relationships, which makes it tough. Um, makes it hard. And if you could just put that behind you and not think about it and not, and be free of that, it would make a big difference. I think, um, it'd be uh, real healthy for everybody. So, I mean, I think that's a real good point. Um, I think that when it comes to, uh, you know, just this, this, this entire idea of, you know, trying to remain in that, that heavenly, that heavenly state of mind, um, you're right. Cause it's the, it, the, the reaction pulls you into a particular dimension. You know, everybody knows it's like, what? Where you'll be kind of, you ever be like, uh, you know, thinking about creative and progressive things and be in that energy and in that state of mind. And then someone come along and they're not in that state of mind and they want to argue with you and grab you and bring you to their level. That, I think, that is why I think that this book can be so important for people because that is what's happening all the time. The, the, there's, there are so many things grasping for your attention in the world. 
And your relationships aren't just with people. They can be with uh, advertisements and shows and there's all anything that can grab your attention. You somewhat have relationship with. You know, you you, you kind of come into communion with it. You 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 learn from it certain things. Um, I know when it comes to to the romantic relationship, you can look at uh, uh, like the movie romance. You know, I think that that thing has been uh, such a uh, kind of a negative thing. To people, because people think that it's that, that that's what it is. That it's just these these scenes that you see in a movie. When in reality, it's it a relationship is built on uh, finding reasons to continue. You know, finding those reasons to continue. That's what I when you say grace, that's kind of that's where where my mind goes. Finding the goodness in whoever you're in relationship with, finding the goodness in them, finding their worth, and and being able to uh, to to find that and to uh, have a place for it in your life, and to and to always try to you know bring that out of people. You know, that's why you are always trying to bring that out of the people you have relationships with. You know, you're always even when they don't sometimes want it, <laughs> even when you don't want, even when, and and that's something that I I've always admired about you because sometimes I can uh, reflect it. I can ref, you know when a person when you come up against a person or you start talking to a person and you can tell that they're having a bad day and they don't really want nothing to do with you. Sometimes if I if I don't have the energy, um, I'll reflect that. Um, and one of my favorite songs is uh, this song by the Isley Brothers. It's called "At Your Best, <coughs> You're Our Love." And, and he has this line in it. And he said, um, "He said there are times like when you want to keep yourself away from me, and when I don't have the strength, I'm just a mirror of what I see." And that that kind of relationship is not just the romantic relationship, but that happens with everyone. When I don't have the strength and the energy to 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 take on your negativity and still meet you with uh, positivity, um, I reflect it. And that's the hard. That's I think that that is the thing <laughs> more so than anything that I personally am working on to try to have a little bit more control over. Uh, the ability to to have the energy, and I think a lot of this has to do. I'm looking at all this stuff you got in here. You got all of the, you got you know you got the trace minerals and the monatomic gold and stuff. It makes me realize that realistically, I think a lot of that is caught up in my diet and caught up in uh, you know the fuel that I put into my body. So it, it you know it's it. It's not just, it's a multifaceted thing. It's well, it's mind, body, spirit. That's absolutely. A holistic approach went, to life. <laughs> I went very much into <coughs> the spiritual aspect of it for a long time in my life. And I think I was uh, imbalanced, though, because um, uh, my mind, I worked on that. I worked a lot on my spirit. But my body was something that I didn't really work. 
I've always felt like I could, if I could play basketball <laughs> well, I felt like I was in pretty good, like, health. I, you know, that's my, that's how I view it. I'm like, oh, I can still, like, run around with, I can still play on the semi-pro You're team. probably going like, to look the same in 30 years, so. <laughs> I, I, I weigh, like, the same thing that I did in high school. Well, well maybe, awesome. like, maybe 10, no, not even 10 pounds more, you know. I was in within the same kind of uh, weight, but at the same time, it's like you said earlier, this is about optimization. I'm trying to, I want to take this to a different level. When I, I here's something that I know you'll, you'll, you might understand. When I go into my meditations sometimes, I was telling my wife the other day, I'll go into my meditations and where I'll go is I'll be in a room with the older version of myself. Like, I'll be, that's that's what's in my mind. I'm talking to this person, and and this person is, like, he's, he's gray, but at the same time, he's, like, buff. And he's really, like, you know, you can tell he's in good health. You know, he's vibrant, you know. And, he and I'll ask him these questions about things that are going on in my life, and then he'll be, like, kind of laughing at me, like, you know, you already know the answer to this, but you kind of hide it from yourself due to your uh, current state of mind. He kind of, he, he too, you know, I'm not saying that there's an actual person who's there, but it's the way that my mind uh, kind of uh, digs into itself to, you know, we, we seem to have a lot more of the answers um, to life's issues than we give ourselves credit for. Sometimes it's just how it's, you got to dig for it. And sometimes you got to, you know, polish that diamond and, and just to watch it shine. But it's, um, yeah, it's definitely, meditation is, has become such an important part of my life that, I mean, I, I don't even know what I would do without it, you know. It's, and then it's weird sometimes to hear somebody kind I don't know why people are so afraid of it. Why people, you know, all of this stuff that you have sitting up up here, it looks um, kind of that I'm intimidated by. It. Almost in the same sense that a lot of people are intimidated by meditation. You know, a lot of people say, "I can't sit. I'm not sitting for 15 minutes by myself," because it can become somewhat hellish. You know, it can become. You do have to come confront the things about yourself and the world and your existence that you might not want to. But it's such a... When you come out of it, you have so much better of a, of a direction. So, you know, you feel more sure in your steps as opposed to feeling like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> well, meditation can be as simple as just doing one thing at a time. I know a lot of people pride themselves on multitasking, but that's actually almost like that's living in the future, living in the past, and just too many things going on at one time. It's taking you away from being present. And I think when you're being present, that's when the Spirit's there and you're tuned into the Spirit. So, yeah, like I said, meditation can be as simple as just what it is really. It's just doing one thing at a time. And that gives you like clarity. It frees you up. It allows your brain to actually um, bring, allow higher frequency thought patterns or 
God's words or whatever you want to call them to come to you then when you quiet down your mind. And that's something that we all have to do. It's just it's a progression of your soul. You get to that point. And you start to become the watcher. You instead of coming instead of like judging all those things, you start to see yourself judging those things. That's before you, you know, really release those judgments. Um, you start saying, "Oh, he, there he is again. He's judging." <laughs> Watch yourself like a movie. Yeah, it's your like, mind. Oh, there he goes again. He's doing it again. I knew it. Like, Rob, have you ever uh, tried to get into like meditation and stuff? No, no meditating. No meditating. What, Thought what, about it many the times. What's repulsive part of meditation to you? I think Honestly, I don't thing. think there's anything repulsive about it. I just never, never did it. Thought about it. I do. I've like I'm at the point now where I do listen to like uh, when I sleep now I listen to music like I listen to like very like relaxing music I don't know if that's a form of meditation but like it helps me sleep I feel like I sleep better that way uh, like I used to do this job and um, I would listen to like opera and um, I'd listen to opera for like seven, eight hours in the day, and so I. That's a detailing. Yeah, yeah. When I, I used to write these estimates for cars, and I wrote like forty in a day, but I found myself um, concentrating better and not thinking about things as much. I was more centered on what I was doing, and I felt just more relaxing and 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 smoother, and just the day went faster. It was just. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but you know, listen to different music. It just felt different when the day went through. That's why I just, I felt, I felt, uh, I wasn't. I don't know. I could concentrate more. I don't know how to explain that, it. I think that I think in reality that is meditating. That I think that that. I think uh, people in our culture we have a certain thinking about meditation. But I've heard people say that you, they try to be in meditation in every moment in their day. Yeah. And that's that's more or less where I'm trying to get to now. It's just, well, can I be in a place that is less um, chaotic? Mm-hmm. Can I be in a place where I can be more um, uh, progressive and, and uh, creative? And, you know, can I be uh, the... the what helps me become the best version of myself? Yes, absolutely. that's really what it boils down to. Can you can you find those things in life that contribute to you being the best version of yourself? I think anything that leads you to that um, mentality is is meditative. Yeah, you know, it's so no, maybe you don't have to go sit in a room <laughs> Indian style and say um. Yeah. I just never. I have done that. <laughs> I, I I don't know I, I don't know and I have no reason why I've never done it I have you know anybody that does it I doesn't you know I can understand I have an understanding of it but for some reason I've never done it but I mean I've had times in the past where you know like I've been angry about something and or like going through something and you just kind of like you know I'm gonna try something different you know I've been doing it this way for so long this is where I'm at I'm trying to do something different but then I get to the point like well now it's not I felt like it wasn't working because I was trying to do it for the wrong reasons you know what I mean yeah. like that's not it's not gonna it's not gonna work so then 
you know, and then, and I'm not like, I'm not religious, I'm not, I don't go to church, that kind of stuff, so it was just kind of a weird thing to me, and I was younger, and I think part of that's too, when you're younger, you just, maybe not ready for that kind of thing, but as I get older, I, I find myself getting closer to thinking about doing it, and, and hoping that it, you know, f- trying to figure out what the result would be of it, you know, and like I said, part of it is like listening to music at night. Just that that's just started that kind of stuff. The opera music. I tell my kids and my wife that, and they're like, "What?" You know, like normally I'm listening to all the type of music that's on my phone. Most people probably I have anything from like crazy death metal stuff to like you know any kind of rap you can even imagine, and then there's opera. And people, my wife's like, "What do you what's?" You know, I'm like, it just relaxes me. I, I guess that's just the best way to put it. It just relaxes me. It makes, helps my mind slow down, I think, is part of it. Because my mind, a lot of times, is going 16 different directions mm-hmm. and thinking about 16 different things at one time. So, and I think probably uh, doing meditating would probably help a lot with that. Yeah, I mean, it's... To me, I mean, if you do want to go and sit still... Um, that there is a certain quality to 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 kind of removing yourself from the world and being able to sit still and really I know some people think that it's kind of about like losing like you know they you kind of want to not have any thoughts at all you want to kind of empty your mind but lately the and I'm not saying that I'm doing it correctly but something that has been good for me has been the ability to, to sit still uh, and and really uh, uh, analyze some of the apparent issues in my life because at the end of the meditation I come away kind of thinking that all of these things that I'm worried about are trivial I just they don't really have it you know, in, in a moment, in a moment of emotion, you can think something is uh, uh, immediate and uh, almost life-ending and about to wreck your life. And then if you can go away and really think about it and come away with it, uh, uh, come away with an understanding uh, that would lead you to believe that actually, you know, you've been... Exp- I always go back to the idea. I've been going through things my entire life my entire life and and, and I know that that's true for everyone but sometimes certain things catch us in the present moment and they they seem to say oh well this is the one this is the one that's going to end everything this this, this thing right here and you you convince yourself of that like it's over Mike I know some of the situations that you found yourself in you must have been thinking like all right, I've done it this time. This is this is, this is, this is I got I'm running out of the luck. This is the I'm past the nice life. Um, I, you know, I there's no bounce back from this. But I also know that you have the you have um, the space in your mind to also come to an understanding that this is just another chapter in the book. You know, that's that's. Yeah, I've had my fair share of challenges. Um, I really do believe that it was all about making me who I am. What do they say? It builds character, you know? To me, it basically, it's like the prodigal son. 
like to use as an example. A lot of times, the people that are the closest to God or the closest to what I to love is are the ones that probably had the most fear and the most pain, the most hurt, even the most hate. So, and and they probably had the biggest challenges in their lives. I mean, when you, I lived a life where basically I um, didn't really have too much to live for. You know, I was just being. I was just doing what I felt was would bring me the greatest amount of joy, the great, greatest amount of fun. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But um, there's the greatest amount of fun, not really joy, because joy to me comes from recognizing blessings, receiving gifts from others. Mm-hmm. It's like things that I don't really deserve. I don't. Re- I didn't really earn. Yeah. But I was out there on. A, I was on a path. That basically, it was force, it was um, tempting to um, paint systems as the bad guys, and I was the good guy, and um, basically, um, it was all, it was a world of force, and I've learned in that world of force, as far as the force that I used, and the force just has to come, it just comes from thoughts, it comes from um, ideologies, it comes from ideas that you are separate from somebody else, or you are better than somebody else, and you're going to prove that you're better, or you have more information or more knowledge than somebody else, and um, you can overcome whatever you want in your life by yourself, like you're, you're the one who's in charge. But um, when you live that life, ultimately you hit a wall because either you're successful with that life and you've pretty much built your ego up that you really think you are better than everybody else by having no successes or you fail and now you think you're worse than everybody else. And so now you start to think, you know what, Uh, you break down and you say, okay, God, help me. And um, I think I've been there. I definitely have been there. <laughs> I've been, yeah. I know. I, I remember a specific time in my life. I was like in my earlier twenties, and I, I had convinced myself that there was something just absolutely wrong with me. Like there was something wrong with me. And I remember like it, it started by me like going to the doctor and like telling him, "Hey, look, I, you know, I'm having some issues," you know. I, I don't know, maybe I need to go see somebody, you know. And I remember I started going to therapy. I only went to like three sessions of it. But they put me on um, Lexapro. And um, some of the things I've heard happen to people who take Lexapro. Like I I had some pretty like weird experiences, like just doing things that I just normally wouldn't do when I was taking that. But... I, the way that it eventually ended up is, is like I remember I just broke down to my mom and I was like, it's like asking, it's like what's wrong with me? Like why? Like what? And uh, you know I remember, I remember that was uh that was probably the last uh, that that entered me into the time where I was probably last religious. You know that was like the last religious stance. You know I had gone away from it and then I remember I read some book. And uh, all of a sudden, I found myself praying and stuff again. And in time, I came to realize that 
I don't believe that there was any... There, I mean, if there's something wrong with me, there's something wrong with everyone. But if there's nothing... You know, I don't necessarily... Uh, you know, I don't believe that there's really anything wrong with anyone. From I, I feel like people are going through this experience and they're having uh, their own particular experiences. And... It's hard to explain to somebody why you think the way that you do. You'd have to, you'd have to uh, explain almost your entire life to have somebody really understand why it is that you think about things the way that you do. You know, most people don't really have time for that. Well, to me, what I think you're saying is a negative programming. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I came they up with say a lot of negative programs. Ninety percent of our thoughts that we're being um, that are being broadcasted to us through like radio energy, also newspapers, um, just media in general. Even the people who raise you. People that are ninety percent of the thoughts that are coming to you, or the words and the actions, are fear motivated. Like we have to actually like really, really be strong to attempt to be positive in this world. And um, I was just having a conversation with a friend earlier today. He was um, he said something pretty bad. He thought bad in, in uh, a conversation that he had with a new girlfriend of his. And um, I started telling him, like, stop looking at the failure of this relationship now. Just because you said something negative, I, I, first off, I said, why don't you call her back and apologize, number one. Instead of running through all this negative stuff that the relationship's going to be over, like that hug was the last hug, and mm. all these things that were he was sharing with me, I'm like, this is all negative programming from your past that's coming up right now. I was like, you need to like catch yourself when you're negative programming, catch yourself and say, delete, cancel, this is what I choose. I choose this kind of a relationship that's going to be loving, supporting, uplifting, um, full of love, full of trust, full of grace. And um, write it down. Like Write down what you wish for out of a relationship. And start reading that to yourself a few times. Like when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night. And start broadcasting, start putting out the positive attributes that you're looking for in that relationship. And you have to, it's about reprogramming yourself ultimately. But um, going to my idea of forgiveness and forgetting, um, I think it's crucial. It's, a, it's an incredible awareness that came to me um, during meditation is um, I think Jesus was the greatest example of these two things of, of standing this way, okay? So say you're being attacked right now. Somebody's giving you a hard time in your life. Somebody wants you to make a decision that's going to be beneficial to them. It's really going to actually possibly hurt your feelings or um, it's, you consider it to be an attack on you. Okay, you have options here. You can be defensive and then start, you know, defending your actions, defending your thoughts, defending your motives, defending your intentions. And then that ends up turning to be ag aggression and offensive. So now you're starting to force 
your thoughts on the other person, the other man or woman. So now you're on the offense, attempting to defend yourself, but ultimately going in the wrong direction. So what do you do? In the face of adversity, realizing that you are an example of grace, you were, you were brought into the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of God, through grace, which was unmerited favor and unconditional love. So that's what brought you into the kingdom. Now, what are you going to do when you're, somebody is challenging you, somebody is um, attempting to get you to stand under them, to understand them? What are you going to do? Are you going to defend yourself? Are you going to go offensive? Or are you going to stand for giving? Are you going to start giving them something positive, giving them something loving? Can you do that? Can you stand for giving in the face of adversity? Or adver or the adversary, really. I remember I remember the first time um you said that to me and put it in that in that in that way, like do you stand for giving? You know, the idea of forgiving, you know, the way that we think about it is uh I, it just made me think about it in a different way. It made me think about it in the stand from the standpoint of are you have you returned to a place where you're willing to give to this person? Have as you, they're pushing your buttons. As the, even as they're doing things to you actively right now that you don't agree with and, you know, they'll probably regret, you know. Uh, can you, but in that moment, you know, that was that was a really powerful thing. Like the, You did it. Yeah, you know, that was a very powerful thing. Cause it, but I had to, I had to be able to... Um, I had to be able to understand that though, because it was like it, that word forgiving. You know, you you uh, you know, I've heard you know we've known that word our entire lives. You know, but to to kind of break it down in a way to make it um, not just oh I forgive that person, oh, I forgave them. To to break it down to situation of did you really forgive them? Are you really forgiving that person? Do you, will you really have you really returned to a stance of seeing the goodness in that person? Because a lot of times I know I've said I've forgiven people who absolutely I really didn't forgive. I was no longer I wasn't really prepared. I I, I almost kind of was just like oh well, um, they did something I didn't like. So now pretty much I forgive them. But really what that means is is that I just don't want to have any like contact with them like I don't even <laughs> want to like deal with them that's the end of that relationship you know you know and then they, like you said that's the end of a relationship you know is, is, a, is a tragic thing because it, it's all it's not always it's usually not necessary you know it's just about uh, in the the people who I can think of that doing that there's people I can think of right now that I've said that I forgave for things that actually I haven't I know I haven't because I, I haven't really rectified my relationship with these people. I just like, all right, I'm not dealing with you anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> I forgive you. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I don't really think. I don't know if we're really humanly able to do that. 
You know, are we really able to forgive somebody? I just don't think it's possible because of the fact that you, if you remember it, I don't really think that you've forgiven it. That's saying that you can forgive, but I don't forget. Right, that's yeah. like a big one. I think that's more true than a lot a lot of people want to realize. Then you haven't forgiven. You haven't, but it's you know. I haven't forgotten that you did that to me. Yeah, and I'm pretty much thinking that you're going to do it again. So the way I approach you has to be affected by that knowledge, and that is that's that's the weird part, you know. But you do have to get to a point where you kind of. I know that some people I've absolutely gotten to that point with. Some people who I felt have done things to me that I, I felt like I didn't deserve. Um, I have somewhat looked past that and still, you know, uh, incorporate them in my life and, and try to uh, build with them. I think forgiveness is power in a weird way. Because you gain by forgiving somebody, you're taking away the power they have over you and gaining the power, and you're gaining the power. If you want to look at from like from that standpoint, I went I went through something with this this some people in my past, and and some lawyers got involved, and the lawyer was like, "Listen, you got the way you get through this, and the way you gain the power back is by forgiving them." And I think about that when she, you know, that. She said that to me, and I think about that through my life a lot. And that's tough, though. That's, that's a tough thing. It, for me personally, it's a tough thing. Forgiveness is a tough thing. I'm not going to even pretend it's not. But it's it's hard to it's hard to give for it's hard. The forgiveness part is tough, you know. But I'm, well, I'm, that's because I don't believe like our traditional perception of forgiveness is really the highest perception. That's what I mean. That <laughs> word is kind of like a, it's sort of baseless. Like it's not, like it's just a, it's just something that you, it's a pleasantry. It's, yeah, it's, that's oh, really I ultimately what it is. I it's a pleasantry. Them. Good word. That's, Good how, word, that's how I feel. As you know, that's the best way I could explain it. It's a pleasantry. You're saying, yeah, I just forgave him. But have you really, like, uh, did, forgiving has to be an actual thing. Not just some kind of like, empty word that you... It has to be true forgiveness. Yeah, it has yeah. to be... It has to have substance to it. And a lot well, of I times, I, I know in my life personally, I've said it without really any substance. Absolutely. Do you know that there's an energy? Like, you are... Say you're you're being attacked. Or let's, let's use trust. Trust, okay? There's a lot of people in relationships out here that have trust issues with their significant other. Okay? What happens when somebody cheats on another person? Guess what happens? They are, the other person who got cheated on has lots of negative energy, feeling so unworthy, and all those other words that you can come up with. Well, there's an energy now associated with the word trust. So when you, whenever the word trust comes up, you have your perception of trust and all the negative and positive aspects of that word trust. It's stored inside of you. There's a cord connected with that word inside your, the energy inside your being. It's there. So when you hear that word trust, it's like you get zapped with all this energy from the past that's built inside of your body. It's in your cells. Your cells are actually being created with that energy. 
and it's going to be associated generally trust issues or probably we call them trust issues most people have trust issues because they felt like somebody was somebody betrayed them Mm -hmm. somebody um didn't don't love them somebody um hates them you know there's a lot of energy that is associated with that word trust but so what happens if we take a situation now where we just found out that our significant other, somebody that we totally love with all of our minds, our souls and our bodies or whatever, our hearts, they just tell us that we that they just cheated on you, okay? So automatically people are going to feel whatever. They're going to have all these negative thoughts. But what if, And I think that I can teach people, I can show people, I can walk people through going into the past and holding the spirit of grace, what I'm going to be sharing right now. I can help you go back into the past and be present, be in the unconditional love, the unmerited favor, and bring healing to that energies associated with that mistrust in the relationship that you're involved in right now. I know I can help you with that. That's really a strength of mine. It's a passion as well. But anyways, back to you're in the situation right now where you just found out that your significant other just cheated on you. What are you going to do? You're probably going to start flipping out, feeling all this pain and all this hurt. But what if you can stand for giving in one of the most challenging energized moment of your life. What if you can do that? Do you think that will make a difference in your health? you think it will make it a difference in the relationship with God? Do you think it's going to make a, a, a difference in the relationship with the person who just told you that? Do you think it's going to make a difference with somebody who's going to be a future relationship for you. Is it possible that you can even do that? Is it possible that you can stand for giving unconditional love in that moment of pain? Is it possible? Do you feel like grace was earned by you from God? you think God's unmerited favor was earned Did you earn that from God? Or was that a gift that was given to you? Do you you wish to grow in the spirit of grace? Do you wish to grow in the spirit of unconditional love? And Rob, you talked about earlier about power. What gave you power is being forgiving. I feel the greatest amount of power comes from giving love. That's true power. That's loosening up on earth and receiving in heaven. But it's not the next life. It's right here. It's right now. And and the thing about it is when you when you do it, you feel it. You feel it in your energy that it's more. Um, we call it feeling it in your heart. Yeah, like you 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 start to feel that it's actually the real version of you. Everybody knows what it's like to walk around in a crowd, in a funk, 
and to feel uh, reserved and to the point where you're not expressing yourself the way that you would actually like to be seen. And uh, on the other end of that, I think give, you know being in a loving place where you're going to show love to anything that you encounter, that's a different situation. There's a different, I, I know, you know, definitely on like Sunday mornings, go play. Like, I've, I've started to think that that's probably the most important aspect of how I walk in is more important to me than how I feel like I'm going to play. How I, am I going to come in and be reserved and not really, and be like kind of shy and sheepish and things? Or am I gonna come in and I'm gonna uh, am, am am I gonna show love to the people who uh, I f- you know to anyone who encounters me? You're a great example of that. You know, uh, hey, I, you shared love. You showed love to me, <laughs> the crazy one. <laughs> hey, that's it. And that's 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 one of the things that's always bothered me. It's like there's a lot of people who have a lot of conceptions about you that are totally from, first of all, I think you show a level of, uh, not not just love, but you show a level of uh, expansiveness that I think bothers some people. There are certain people who live in such boxes that to even entertain anything that you might be saying it's kind of, uh, you know, they, they, it's much easier to just write you off and say none of that the things that you say have no merit and no reality. And that is, to me, I mean, that's, that's I, I don't know how many people I, I, I've said, look, you don't even like, know, like, you don't even know anything about him. Like, you, you won't even like have a conversation, but you want to say that. He's crazy because he's going to try to, when the, when a person twists their ankle or something, he's going to yeah. go up to him and try to get that energy out of there. He's going to put, he's you know, he's going to actually physically try to do something to actually make something happen and try to throw that stuff out of there. And how, how, what, did, what did this person, what did some, what, well, you just sat there, oh, you okay, dude? You all right? Come on, I'll help you out to your car. Not to say that that's not a bad thing, but I'm saying that just because somebody can see things that you don't see, don't don't write people off. For anybody, anybody who's listening, if you want to write people off, you better be willing to engage that person first and make sure that you're not going to miss out on something that might actually change your life. That's a reality. Well, I think most people, they're comfortable in their world. Yeah. They're very comfortable. When they come around, people like you and I and Rob, they um, they want to put their blinders up. They want to put a wall up because we create questions in their mind. And, um, and those questions just, well, I like to look at them as planting seeds. Like, I am totally comfortable with my... I love playing basketball. I'm totally comfortable going in there. I totally love building relationships, planting seeds. To whatever extent, um, 
it's available, whatever they're open to, you know. And um, their thoughts, their words, it's really none of my business. That's the real, that's the, <laughs> most, that's the most beautiful part of it all. Your opinion of me is none of my business. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why I can just continue being me. Yeah. But you know what? I've had a challenge in the past of being able to fit in. You know, um, just probably the last two years, I have the last two years I haven't used alcohol. I've used alcohol in the past to basically make me um, ultimately so- socialize, socialize to yeah, fit in, to be able to have those mundane conversations yeah. about sports or whatever else. Because I had a few beers in me, and I guess I'm more approachable then, yeah. and or I feel more comfortable in um, whatever. But I realized that that actually just um, created a like a weight on me. It just caused me to lower and lessen who I really am. And um, now since I haven't had a uh, – I used to go out like every other Saturday or every Saturday, go out, hang out with a few friends. I thought they were my friends. Drink about a bottle of wine and um, go dancing. Pretty much it became a meditation it was my way to socialize and enjoy one night a week. However, now that I don't drink any longer, um, I feel like it's it's okay to be me. I'm actually happy being me. I'm happy allowing my strengths to come out instead of being um, hiding them or um, doubting who I was and feeling like... Um, people were judging me or whatever it is i don't care anymore i'm grateful i'm i'm in position now that i'm so strong internally that it makes no difference any one individual's opinion of me absolutely no difference and on my path and um my mission and that mission really is to um to share like you can live in the spirit of grace I do. I don't always get to it right away when somebody's pushing my buttons, but over the years I've learned, like, I'm very good at uh, going back to them and saying, hey, you know what, I was wrong. And um, that's what they, that's the traditional sense of forgiveness. But my new perception is, and I've been able to do this like once or twice, and it really is, you have to ask God to help you. And it's really, really, really powerful and important. Because it opens you up to a whole set of new circumstances. And that's what I'm going to talk about right now. Is when you stand for giving. You open yourself up for receiving or for getting. When you stand for getting. You now receive from God or from the Spirit. It's not going to be from that human that, or that man or woman that you're having a challenge with. You're never going to get what you expect from them. Our expectations, you know, they're just very, that's a big challenge to have expectations in relationships. It's never going to happen. I mean, look at Jesus and the, uh, and his talking to the disciples and sharing with the disciples like, hey, these miracles and these are the things that you can be doing. And um, ye are gods of the most high. And um, like you can do this too. Uh, follow me. Get rid of everything and follow me. You know, they, how many times did they like 
say, you know, what in the world is this guy talking about? They they just didn't get it. They still followed him. Though. But they still followed him because, like, look at this dude. You know, he's like, he's performing miracles. I would love to be able to do that, but um, they really didn't have that heart. They really didn't have the unconditional love. They didn't have the power that comes from unconditional love. They really didn't have the ability to give in the face of adversity. They didn't then receive or stand for getting love. The unconditional love that they're giving, they're also receiving that, the unmerited favor, and ultimately the power. The power that says that you can move mountains. You know what's happening to me in my life? And it's really very, very interesting. And it's not about me personally. It's happening in my life. I'm recognizing it. But I really have a pretty strong ability to affect the weather. And um, it's, I just, and I'm not taking credit for the rain that we just had. But I did some praying that because of the farmers, I live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and the farmers' livelihood here has been challenged. The milk prices are pretty low right now. And um, so they count on their crops, especially to feed their cows. And um, it was getting really dry about two, three, four weeks ago. Four weeks ago. Um, it was getting really dry, and I was like, God, like, can you make it rain? Can you help out Lancaster County? And we just had, like, somebody told me today, we've had 15 inches of rain in the last two weeks. And uh, what's really special about this rain is that it's been raining, um, and then it stops, and then it rains, and then it stops, and it soaks into the, into the earth, and it's like a big, huge blessing. And um, I've had a few times in, in that I wanted to play basketball, and I'm like, Spirit, um, I really like to play basketball tonight. I really, really choose to play basketball. And guess what happens? It doesn't snow. And another thing that really just comes to mind right now, um, last last fall when I was playing flag football on Saturdays and I play in the league that Rob plays in, <laughs> this is crazy, but this really happened. It started raining, and I put my hands up, and I said, put my hands up. I said, rain, stop raining. I put my hands down, and I, I'm telling you the truth. It stopped raining right then and there. It's just the power that comes from living through your heart, attempting to have that unconditional love. And um, I'm not going to expect it, but it's really awesome when it starts happening like every time you start working with the weather. But And it's the same thing with basketball. Yeah. Like, I can go in there and, not I, but the spirit... Because I meditate and I ask God to express through me like all day long. And what happens when I get on the basketball court is like things beyond my control happen. Like one time I was shooting a basketball and it was going like off to the side of the hoop and it curved and went in. It was actually in a game. It was in a league game. The ball curved in. And I know, Will, you can believe that, can't you? I can believe that. Sometimes, sometimes, like, you know... do a layup and it'd be like hanging on the rim and I'd just yell at it like going you know <laughs> yep 
And when you do that, it adds this level of mystique. That, like, he just told the part going and it listened to him. <laughs> I, I gotta, yeah. tr- I gotta try that one. Yeah, <laughs> talk, to talk to it. Tell it. I miss a lot less. <laughs> there you go. Tell it. Tell it. I don't even. I don't. I don't even shoot jump. I I try not to shoot jumpers anymore. Yeah, I, I like you don't jump. have to. I like. A, I've always told people it's a game of percentages. Yeah. This is an easier shot than that shot back there. Ray Allen only shot like thirty some percent from the three point in his career, and that's Ray Allen. That, that's only thirty. Huh? Only thirty. Maybe forty something. It was probably forty. Maybe low forty. Yeah, it was low forty. Nobody's ever shot half. No. You know yeah. what I mean? So, I mean, but you can shoot a good 70, 80% from, from pretty close. F- from the foul line. But no, like, you, but like you're saying, though, it you do start to see that in basketball because it's, you, 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 it's about an energetic expression. And, um, <clears throat> you know, me. Recreation. Yeah, it, it is recreation. You know, we're out in recreational uh, facilities <laughs> recreating trying to, trying to bring about the the essence of creation and that's that's why I think the people who um, definitely in sports sports is a you know it's it's great to see it's the easiest that, place to yeah, see it working you, when you see people like like Michael Jordan and people like Dr. J and then like in, in football like you see people like Deion Sanders or people who bring themselves who aren't just it's kind of like the difference between when you see a person singing a song and they're just going through the motions and then when you're seeing somebody sing a song and they they've attached themselves emotionally to the song and they're in it and you can see it and you can feel it that's you know when you bring yourself and you express who you are in the game, you act, you you will always make a mark. Well, there's always those players that you can you're watching the game, watch them play on the field, but you can feel it through the TV, right? You can feel that emotion through the TV, you know. And uh, I mean, I'm an Eagles fan, obviously, and Brian Dawkins was one of those guys, yeah, for sure. And Reggie White, Reggie White, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Ray Lewis. Yeah, I, an not a big Ray Lewis fan, but yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. look at the energy that emotions. he brings. Yeah. But Brian Dawkins, emotion, for yeah. me, like the the switch, the they say that he on the off, he is, he is just not the same guy. That he has a switch, and whatever that switch is to wherever whatever it takes for him to get to that place must be an amazing thing. Because they say from the difference of off the field, what he, how he is, and the guy is on the field, whatever, however he gets there, is is got to be an amazing thing. Uh, it, it, to me, it's just becoming about you know how quick can I get into the flow of things? How quick can I? Meditation does that. That's what it does, and that's that's why. I Do you think meditate before you play? I, on my way there. I don't know if I could... Well, yeah, I guess it is a particular type of meditation. What I try to do is... I know it might sound kind of weird that, you know, in a place where, you know, I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm one of the more standout players, but I have to remind myself of my worthiness just about every time I play basketball. I have to remind myself, 
hey, you you did this. You remember that you did, you know, because you can forget these things. You can forget your own um, accolades when you really don't give them much thought. I don't really give it much thought that, you know, that I have played semi-professional basketball and that I've literally been able to play basketball anywhere that I've ever gone and that, like, I forget these things. So you're and building your mindset before you my come. My mindset is it, 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 I'm, I'm I'm trying to be I'm trying to get um I'm I'm trying to get to a place of supreme confidence because I think that that's partly about what bas what basketball is about. Oh, yeah, it's, it's about yeah. who can find the you most. You can supreme easily see confidence. that in basketball. Watch yeah. that. Watch some things with like Michael Jordan and Pete and, and other people. Like I remember one time. It, they played the Trailblazers in the finals, and people were asking the question like, "Who was better, Michael or Clyde Drexler?" And when you watch it, you watch somebody who's separate from a top-tier guy. He he's saying, "I'm the person who has the supreme confidence here." I to the point where you I'm not you you're not able to stop me because. I, I, where I am in my head is somewhere different. And that's, I, you know, I think when you take that kind of stuff and you apply it to life, it works. It, it, it you know, not to, I'm not saying that a person should be arrogant. I'm saying that you should be confident and definitely, I, you know, I, uh, I, I know, you know, Mike can definitely understand something like this, but when you start to come into the understanding of, you know, me, I don't separate. I I look at everything as the creator having a particular experience. So my life is uh, the the creator uh, having a human experience. Uh, you know, living as will. You know, and uh, well, that's your soul. Yeah. Or some people, the conscience. Yeah. Whatever people want to call it. I I heard uh, the uh, uh, Ram Das. What he said. Everybody is just God in drag. That's how I put it. So everybody is this, it's the creator manifesting itself through all of these different experiences. And the multiple, like, the, sometimes I'm, I'm amazed by just how deep that really gets to the point where it's like, okay, you say, here I am, I'm living this life. It's easy for me to think about maybe that the creator is inside of me, but is the creator inside the um, microscopic beings that live inside of me? Do they live lives like me? Do they, are they, are they having, are they having, are they going through their trials and tribulations as a part of my body? I believe sure they so. they pick up on those emotions. And if you think about that, who's to say that there's not something on an even smaller scale happening inside of that microscopic being. And how small does that energy. get? How big does that get? That's the question I have. The smallest, biggest idea that's ever. Why I, that, and that's what I it's think. Interaction in, with everything. That's why I think infinity is. Infinity is this idea that there is just things happening on infinitely smaller and infinitely larger uh, dimensions. You know, sometimes... You know, when you see an ant, you uh, sometimes I wonder. I'm like, does he know I'm here? 
kind of like us. Like we're we're floating around in this planet. Who knows? We might be floating around in some some a some, snow globe. Some yeah, snow. <laughs> you might be on some cosmic being's elbow or something. Like you know, he doesn't even know that. You don't, but you don't see him. He doesn't see you because you're in certain dimensions. You're in certain spaces. But to me, the reality of it is, is that all of this just might be a limitless situation. There just might be infinite things happening in infinite universes. And if that's what's going on, I, you know, that's what I like to believe is going on. But I would never tell a person that I know that for sure. I just, it's just how it seems to be. And there's a beautiful thought in being able to see the similarity in anything else. To be able to look at a tree and be like, oh, I I can learn something from this. To be able to look at something, you know, something foreign. Like, even though, one thing that uh, I didn't understand is how much I was going to learn from my children. You know, people say, oh, you, you're teaching the kids. Yeah, you are, but that kid is teaching you stuff. They're teaching you so many things that, uh, you know, it's 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 amazing. And it just keeps, sure. you know, mine are only two and three. So they don't even know. They don't even know that they're teaching me things. Somebody said that you bring your, I heard somebody say you bring your kids here as like backup <laughs> you're like you need help <laughs> like uh, i gotta call in reinforcements and like uh, come in here and try to try to get this world together you know and uh, but yeah I, I i definitely know what it's like to be to, you know to have that feeling of unity kiss me the idea came to me atonement I broke down the word atonement. It break it down at one mint. Mint actually means mind. At one mind. At one mind. Atonement. I like that. I really do like that. <laughs> at one mind. That's that's the point. You know, you can you get to that place? And it takes a certain level of you have to have that direction because I think you can watch it. A lot of people who don't really have that kind of thought, who don't want, who don't want to believe in the concept of one mind or even one creation, um, and usually, usually they, they they can be quite destructive um, because with you know being in that creative place, that's my 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 whole. Uh, I used to believe that you know that's all people were really looking for. You're looking for the productive and creative space. We yearn for that. Even people, even the people who don't think that they're creative, they probably yearn for it more so than people who are creative. We all want to be in that state of mind of, hey, things are progressing and getting better, as opposed to things are falling apart and getting worse. <laughs> That's the, it's like that aging concept. Are things getting better in your life? Because realistically, the amount of things that I'm able to learn, the people who I've come across, I feel like my life is getting better. But there's people around me who would swear the opposite is happening. Who think, oh man, you're just, you're going the wrong way now. You're just, it's, uh, and I mean, 
I had to learn. I I had to turn back empathy. You know, I had turned on empathy uh, to a point to a point where uh, I was read. You know, when a person felt some kind of way about me, I would pick up on that, and then I would start to feel like that about myself. So it. I remember when the, I first heard the concept introduced to me that some people are too empathic. I was like, you can't have too much empathy. What do you mean? Empathy is a good thing. Not to, but it's like all things. All things are for moderation. All things are to be balanced. And when they're not in balance, too much empathy can make you a slave to other people's feelings about you. And... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely had to work on that. Hmm, thinking about that empathy, um, there's a lot of relationships that are out here going on that, um, especially with women, they're very, you know, they're attempt, they're in relationships right now, and um, they're attempting to um, heal their partner. They're attempting to um, make them right or trying to fix them change them fix them there it is the word fix them there's a lot of women out here that are attempting to fix their husband or their boyfriend whoever okay Um, i think that's very admirable um you know but ultimately what that comes down to is because you have expectations for that man and um, so what happens with expectations, most of the times they're not going to be fulfilled and you're going to end up feeling disappointed, right? So you say, well, I did this and I did that for that person and I didn't get anything from it. And, you know, I don't know why I did this. And then you're basically, you're going down on yourself and you're really not gaining anything for all the things that you did do with, even if you did it for, with love love in your heart to help somebody or to possibly change them or whatever. And um, so what ends up happening is is you don't have anything to show for 10 years or 5 years or whatever, 2 years of giving everything you got to make a relationship work. And that could be for a guy too. There's lots of men out here that are like they want to have a relationship work and their partner is caught up in alcohol or their partner is, hasn't gotten over the hurt that they've had from their previous relationships. So how do we deal with those kind of situations? Um, I feel like I have a very simple method for that, um, and that would be to not do things for that person, but to do them for God. So you start building a relationship with God through that man or woman in your life that is really being a challenge for you. So everything you do, say, you know, you're going, you cleaning up after them or um, just being supportive and loving, you don't do it for that person anymore. You just start doing it for God. So that's going to eliminate, alleviate your expectations. And, but you're building that. You're giving all that energy that you were giving to that person. Instead of giving it to them, you're giving it to God. And so now you're developing a relationship with God. And so now you're going to start receiving from God because that's what your expectations are, is just to give it to the Spirit. And now the Spirit will give back to you. Because you're doing it for the right reason. 
-hmm. You're not doing it for selfishness. You're not doing it because you want that person to change. You're doing it because you know that ultimately this is a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, I think that 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 brings up another thing, and that's that I think that what you're um, detailing in the book it can be um, it can be understood by people who um, don't necessarily believe in God. Um, you know, for for uh, a lot of people, and I, I you know, it's like God. Uh, God is kind of a uh, is a loaded term because God in in Western civilization usually ends up um people if you say god people tend to believe that you're talking about the christian god but this could i think this i think this transcends this this transcends uh any uh uh religious trapping of uh, of what you uh observe as the creator uh, I think that it's not just a. I think uh, it, it. I think the purpose of the book is probably uh, meant to um, talk to people who come from that tradition uh, 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 of the Christian tradition. Well, but help I, it's them for, help for, them grow in the spirit yeah. of grace, which is grow in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. They recognize as the Holy Spirit yeah. to help them grow in that. Ultimately, you need to learn to release your need to judge. And that's and that's what I mean. I think that that is that. In itself is um, uh, just a very admirable type of thing, you know. To, you know, I would you would you would you call yourself a Christian, or would you call yourself someone who's kind of grown out of that? Not to say that, not to say that uh, we look down on that, but I know that there was a particular point in my life where I. I had not, I, I couldn't necessarily, I have Christian tendencies. I have a lot of um, Christian sensibilities. Like, I have uh, a lot of those. But I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Christian in the sense that I've never, you know, I don't believe that Jesus Christ is this, is, is the Lord and Savior. I just look, at, my relationship with Jesus actually got better after I was a Christian. Because I was like, I, that, that let me really see the kinds of things that was going on. I didn't necessarily, I don't even necessarily know if Jesus was a real person. But I feel like I can learn, I can learn from from from, from the story. And that's, that's what, you know, I think uh, mythology is meant for. It's meant to encode uh, a communication um, to people throughout time, it's a, it's kind of like a time, like it, 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 it travels through time to try to communicate something um, that somebody maybe thousands of years was trying, thousands of years ago was trying to, to communicate, and that's why I think the beautiful thing about this is even if you can't say that you're a Christian, even if you are of another faith, and uh, if you have uh, uh, some if you worship it, thirty gods, <laughs> whoever, you can still benefit from the idea that uh, you know we 
like you said, do, are you are you seeking out that unconditional love? Are you because I think those are the types of things that transcend religion. Those are the things that when you look in different religions, you start to see that that concept pop up everywhere. People are always trying to get to the uh, um, you know people want to be loving, is but sometimes the world the world can distort you and make you you know make you not be. You would like to be there, but it's hard sometimes to get there. And, you know, that's why I think that this book could be really important for people, you know, because that works for everybody. You may not like, uh, you may, I know for a lot of people who leave Christianity, you can feel um, kind of scathed by it. You, know, you can feel like, uh, 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 well, they were teaching me lies and stuff like that. And I felt like that for a long time. I felt like, you know, I, I generally uh, was just like, I didn't want to hear anything that, that really it had to say because I had discovered that it wasn't true in the way that I thought it was. And um, once you come to a more compassionate place, you, you, you say, okay, all right, well, maybe it's not the truth the way that it was told to me. But it has its truths in it, and the I definitely think that um, that was at least what Jesus was trying to to get across to people, you know, uh, whether he be real or not. That unconditional love is the way to the kingdom, and that that exists inside your mind, and it exists, you know, it, it exists inside of your your, your essence. Well, I can remember um, doing reflexology out of this chiropractic office for a little bit of time, and um, this one guy came in here, and this, this uh, I don't know what you call it, colored guy, black guy, whatever, but we're all, to me, we're all equal, we're all the same, we all came from the same place, we're all going back. And uh, But anyways, he said that he had a message for me, I was like, really? Yeah, he's like, I... He, I want reflexology. Him and his wife came in to get reflexology. He said, I have a message for you, though. And this guy is probably the most spiritual man I've ever met. And um, he said he started off like broke, like no money. And he started cleaning NASCAR's like bathrooms, some on a lower circuit level. He started cleaning bathrooms. and um, But he was a very a man of faith. And he ended up being, like, in charge of, like, multiple NASCAR facilities as far as cleaning their bathrooms. He like was the in charge guy. of that. Like, the maintenance guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was in charge of that. Like, he used to tell me, he goes, I don't joke around with God about money. He said, because he can get money, like, snapping his fingers. He, like, kids around with God, like, hey, God, give me some money or whatever. And he's like, here gets so much money of his relationship with the spirit that he has to say stop stop doing it i was just kidding do not give me money cursed that's what this guy was telling me and i believe him i believe everything he told me and he told me he said you know jesus used to wash people's feet right he goes what are you doing and um, these guys know that I'm a foot reflexologist. I've been a foot reflexologist for over 20 years. I have a, a more uh, professional title now. 
<laughs> that I created pretty much. But um, yeah, I basically work people's feet and figure out other solutions to different challenges. One of my favorite things is to figure out the emotional mental challenges, you know, behind the health challenges. But that's another story. But um, so he told me, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm working people's feet. He goes, well, Jesus used to wash people's feet. And now you're working that. He goes, it sounds like you're further advancing what Jesus was doing. And um, he said, Jesus said that these things that I do, you will do greater. He said, look at you. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good way of looking. I'm like, I think Jesus and I would be working pretty well together. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought I was, I always thought I, I like Jesus. I always thought in reality a lot of the people who I grew up with uh, in Christianity with I don't think that they would have had much time for him. I think that they would have been like this, he's, <laughs> this guy is out and he's, he's flipping out on the people at the church turning over tables. The money changers I mean, he wasn't very fond of. <laughs> people, I mean people say you know, he, you know that Jesus was like the most likable person ever but he got killed. You know what I mean? Like that's for even the most likable person, even the most likable people find enemies. You know that's uh, that's why to me, I I just take the story for what it is. I I learn from it and take from it what I can, and whether or not it's real or not, um, is irrelevant to me. I know it it, it I know it's very relevant to a person who. Um, I guess their eternity kind of hinges on that idea of, uh, I guess, but that goes back to what we were saying. Are you seeing this from a metaphysical standpoint or are you seeing it from a literal standpoint? You know, a lot of people, they feel like, look, I got my mom's over there. She's in heaven right now. Like, I got to do what I got to do to get there. And I understand that. Like, I get it. But, it, you know, for some of us, uh, you know, it. There's so many different religions in the world, and I've I've had I feel like I've been blessed to see a lot of the sameness and a lot of the core values that are uh, that resonate in all of them. Uh, there, you know, a, there's a really ugly side to religion. And then there's a really beautiful side to it, and it's just like all of us, you know. There's there's the beautiful aspects of me, and then there are the uh, parts of me that uh, are less desirable. And, you know, I feel like that's all that's all things. It's all things. We go through you know uh, times where we don't really like ourselves, and I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure religion goes through that too, you know, when when you have a, if you're part of a faith or something, and let's say you're part of a faith and part of what you do is like child sacrifice. You, at some, some somebody must look at that and say, man, that's pretty messed up. We just killed that kid. We just threw him in a volcano. You know, somebody, somebody's thinking that's messed up. But, Ultimately, 
that's that's the nature of faith. I mean, <laughs> not not throwing kids in volcanoes, but the nature of it is you're going to do certain things that you don't necessarily understand. Their perception is they just made a sacrifice to further Listen, either their good. to cleanse themselves or whatever it is. Have a good harvest. Kind of, yeah. Young, whatever. He, he, he paid the price. He paid the price for our sins. <laughs> he, paid, he, he was losing. They don't need a cross. They got, <laughs> they got a volcano. They got, they got some, <laughs> some sacrificial knives, you know. They don't even need volcanoes. <laughs> but I think the word God is interesting because it's, it's interpreted in how many different ways, you know. There's so many... So many different religions that are interpreted in different ways, and it's westernized, kind of like you were saying, and turns into into all religions except the God in some form. And I don't think I'm not religious in any way, but I do. I think there's something that's out there. Absolutely. Do I think it's a God of some sort? I don't know that, but I think there's something there that. Uh, that controls, I don't know if it controls us, but there's just something there. And, and I can see it as I get old. I feel like I see it as I get older. And I think part of it is trying to become the best me I can. And part of that is, is there a God that, that determines if I am or not? I don't know, but I don't, for me personally, I don't, think of it that way i think of it as a choice of my own and trying to do it on my own i don't know my own way of doing it and and continually to think in the best way i can and body wise as i get older obviously thinking about what i'm putting in my body i know food is is just food we eat isn't the greatest but you know (laughs) taking different I've never taken supplements but I take something in the C60 now that I think has made a difference I think I heal faster I think I feel better I mean I play basketball we play basketball for like like two hours on Tuesday Thursdays and I could probably play another hour easy without even thinking about it not tired I don't know I, I I don't know what a god a god is a symbol for different things and it's a symbol for, to different people. And whatever that is, if you think about like mythology and the fact that Zeus was a god and the lightning bolt meant something to somebody, what that meant to them ended up making them think about Zeus in that way. So at some point, somebody came up with that idea. What, how they came up with that idea, what it made them think of that idea is the same way that we have a Bible and how the people that wrote the Bible made them think of Jesus in that way. It's kind of like my way of religion. Uh, I mean, that's a good perspective because um, I think, um, did you, when you were growing up, did you, uh, did did you go to church? When were you first kind of uh, introduced to the idea of the Bible? Well, first off, um, when I was younger, I used to have nightmares, and uh, for some reason, I somehow used to pray to God. I can remember being like three or four years, three years old, living in, um, well, probably 
three or four years old living in Adamstown, Pennsylvania. And um, I can remember having nightmares, like his fingers pinching at me. And I used to pray to God to, like, help me. And where that came from, I don't know. Um, but I really felt like growing up then, I had a very strong spiritual connection. Can't really explain it. Didn't understand what it was. There was uh, nothing in your household that would really... Not have, really at that time. Yeah. Then Did my mother parents? met somebody, and uh, so we lived with them. Did your parents go to church? No, I never met my father, so my mom, no, she didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. But I ended up like being the spiritual leader of the house. But I remember um, I would... My aunt, she was a Jehovah's Witness, so she shared a lot of the Bible when they had their specific book for that, so... That was like the first official. And then there was people that used to come from Grace Brethren in Myerstown. They saw children at this one house. They like stopped and like, hey, would you guys like to go to church? So they would pick us up on the bus. I would go to church and um, I'd get off the bus. I would go in and eat donuts and get some juice. And I would split. (laughs) Just for the donuts, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so that would go out on the town and walk around and hang out, whatever, and go back and get on the bus and go home again. So that was my religion back then. Um, but I, I just the I really donut. Did, the I donut believed. was your god. <laughs> now I ended up, you know, I believed in Jesus. Um, you know, I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior back then, and. Um, I've, I really believe in my mind, heart, and soul, like, the way Jesus is being used today is more of a tool to control and manipulate than really what the message was really about. Um, To me, when Jesus said, you know, drop everything and follow me, it wasn't a physical walk with him. It was to act like him. To treat others as he treated others. Um, today we have like, you know, everybody is born into a specific culture. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they cannot help that they believe in a certain religion or a certain culture because they were born that way and everybody in their family dressed a certain way and they did their rituals a certain way and they didn't do certain things and. You know, every culture has their certain ways. So, like, who am I to judge their culture, judge their religion, and say, you know what, that's not the true way. You're going to hell because you do not believe and you didn't say a verse, you know, and you don't have the understanding that I do and my path, you know. So I, for one, will never, ever, ever... I mean, I'm not going to say that because it's funny how whenever you say the word yeah, never, right. you draw that. Yeah. But my intention is to always be respectful of everybody else's path to know God. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes me to the idea of the prodigal son. Um, <laughs> that gentleman, you know, that man or whatever in the Bible, like he was the furthest thing away from God. He was the furthest thing away from his his family's wishes, his brother's and probably sisters, you know, they all wanted him to act a certain way, to be a certain person. Guess what? He did his own thing. I think that's what we call free will. Mm-hmm. I think, didn't God give you free will? I mean, that's what the Bible says, that you have free will. 
How comes you have free will that's given to you by God, but then your family wants to tell you that you need to believe and think a certain way? And or if you say a verse that you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and then you go and go join another church, and now you're not going to be accepted by your religion or your culture because now you're believing slightly a little bit different, you know? To me, I think that's just, that's man. That has to do with your ego, which to me, again, is edging God out. I think we, and, and I think we need to come to living through your heart and recognizing that God's timing isn't your timing. Your timing is not God's timing. You need to extend, you need to express that grace because that's what you're basing your religion off of. You need to be an example of that. And if you're telling somebody, you know, you come from another culture and we need to convince you that you need to say a Bible verse and um, to be saved, I think think that's going the wrong direction. I think that's giving the wrong message and it's actually pushing people away. Mm -hmm. And um, and especially I, I, my heart goes out to people like Will. And, and I've been in that place as well. And all those other people that have decided, you know what? I'm going to go away from the message of Christianity. And I'm going to discover and explore and create other ideas, other perceptions. And I'm going to give that those thoughts a place in my mind. I'm going to entertain them. And they might be my truth now. And it might be my truth later, but at least I'm going to explore them and I'm going to allow myself to go away from what beliefs I've been programmed and conditioned with, ultimately, is what it comes down to. And I'm going to go and explore my own free will. I admire them. I love them. I love that they've been able to explore their own path. Yeah to have their own expression of knowing God. I love them for that. It's beautiful. They're courageous. There's so many different words that I could use to describe them. Awesome. And I challenge other people to, you know, to get past your ego. Get past your plan of salvation or your path and explore and that be open-minded to listening to their authenticity listening to their path and and still being encouraging and still being loving to them anyways and see what you can learn from them i'm sure they're not attempting to to control or manipulate the way you think <laughs> no. i think they just like to be heard i just like they i think they just want to be um, listen to and not be told like you're going to hell. <laughs> well, who who gets to choose the path path of righteousness, right? So who gets to choose and determine which is the right path and which is the wrong path? As long as we're getting to a place of of um, I guess of not right. I don't like the word righteousness, but as long as you get into that place where you're doing things that are a positive or doing it in a positive direction, whatever path you take to get there, that's all that really matters. And the path 
that that you take a lot of times creates you and and molds you and hopefully in a positive way i tell my daughter all the time it's not how many times you get knocked down it's how many times you get up and at the end of the day making a positive having a positive outlook on what's going on is not always the easiest thing it's the hardest thing you know things going around on around you that we listen to every day you hear on tv all that stuff we don't hear a lot of positive things we hear a lot of the negative things unfortunately so it's hard to have that positive mindset but you know you just got to keep chipping away you got to be that light you got to be the example it comes that's us it's our life yeah it's hard <laughs> it's, it's, and it brings joy and fun though yeah. it's amazing it can be dangerous to be the light and I think our our history is full of people who, you know, on some on a big level, you can see people who get assassinated and things for trying to bring about large degrees of change in the world. But on small levels, it can be dangerous because you can become a pariah of sorts. You can become some sort of leper or outcast, you know. You can be outcasted for your thoughts. And uh, I think, uh, to me, I kind of, <coughs> I think I sort of wear it like a badge of honor now because the truth of the matter is, is that I would not be, I went on a, a search at some point in time to try to figure out how to create a system of belief in my mind that was as inclusive of all things as possible because that was the breaking point with me in, in, in Christianity traditionally it was the idea that um, there were, as you get as I got older I encountered more people who either didn't believe because they were uh, sort of uh, free from religion or uh, people who were of different faiths, you know, and when when you start to ask that question of like, so what? This means that this person is is doomed to hell because they choose not to believe what I'm believing right now. You know, that was the that was kind of the breaking point because then at that point I knew that I had outgrown it. I had outgrown it in the sense that I was not prepared to uh, act as though I knew uh, what was completely righteous and what was not. You know, I. It was a very uh, kind of like a tumultuous time uh, in my life because when you start to mess with things that are at the core of you. Um, you know, I, for most of my life, I had a, I had religion in a place in, you know, I guess in my heart, if you want to say that. And when I took that out, it was hollow. There was no thing there to replace it. Change, was, change is tough. Yeah, there was nothing. And now I feel like I have found things to put back in that place. But there was a time where there was nothing there. And that was a very unsettling feeling. Like, it was an uncomfortable feeling to be like, okay, I no longer believe what I believed my entire life. 
And, uh, you know, I just think that if I hadn't have done that, if I hadn't investigated other religions and cultures, I would have lost out on so much information about reality. Just because there's people who, you know, I always like to say, you know, there's somebody in the middle of the jungle right now in the Amazon who doesn't know any of this stuff is going (laughs) on. And that person has the exact same worthiness as I do. And, you know, once I came to that conclusion, I said, well, no, there's... There's got to be something else. There's, uh, what are what are people really trying to explain here? What are people and what are what is this situation that everybody on every continent finds a way, you know, to try to explain in various different ways? And that thing, I think it's it sits outside of, you know, man makes attempts to try to to define that thing, uh, he tries to name it. That's why I always said, whenever you name God, people are about to die. Because there's somebody else over there who doesn't have the same name for God, and they're going to be pretty offended that you, you know, you're calling it something else. And because people's their eternity is based on this, their idea that they're doing all these things in life to to live an afterlife. Um. Yeah, that's a very that's a really powerful motivation, you know, to think, hey, I have to do this stuff and I have to be this certain kind of way because my grandmother died and I know she's in this place and I want to see her again. So I'm going to do everything I can. Well, I'm going to do some of the stuff that I can do to get there. And uh, yeah, it's it, I so I totally get it. I understand why people get so caught up in it. But all I ask is for for a person to to come down to a human, not even a human level, uh, uh, um, the the level of manifestation, the level of you're here experiencing things just like the rest of us. Um, come to that level, and and come to the understanding that. The world is not your enemy, but it's something that you can learn from and get better from. One of the most beautiful things about this thing, this book that that Mike's writing, is the fact that he doesn't have traditional understandings of Christianity, but he's going back to Christianity to help people. That's If people really think about that, that's a really that's a monumental type of thing because it usually goes the other way around. People from the faith are trying to help people who've gone outside of it. They're saying, "All right, we're going to bring you back into the fold." We're going to No, he's going to these people even though he doesn't believe everything that they believe. And he's going to go to those people and say, "Look, I still see that you might have some hang-ups with some things and I'm willing to help you." Rob, when I told you that I was trying to go and talk to churches and I wanted to talk to them from from a non-believer standpoint, that's that's what that was about. It's because I love those people. That's the only reason I wanted to go back. Why why go waste my time with people who I thought were useless? 
No, I, it's because most of the people in my life that I love are Christian people. I wanted to help them through uh, the idea of, hey, yeah, I know your son, he might have got on the internet and read some stuff, and now he doesn't believe what you believe. The same thing happened to my parents. And I don't think that there was really people around to try to explain that, you know, to, to talk them through, well, what's going on with your son? You know, probably people, oh, the devil got him. Or something. <laughs> you know, there's probably all kinds of... It, you know, there's probably all kinds of ways people conceived it, but the truth of the matter was that I wanted to communicate to church people that listen, I'm not here to, I'm no kind, of, I'm not the devil, I'm not here to cause destruction. I'm here to build with you, because whenever I go amongst any people, it's to build with you. I've never come around people to destroy any. And that's why I feel like I can go anywhere. I don't. I don't come with that motivation to to, to disrupt and destroy. Uh, you know, and this and the church was the same. You know, I think some people. You know, one of the preachers I talked to, he kind of got it. The other one, he didn't. He didn't understand it at all. Um, he he was more or less about trying to uh, convert me. You know, <laughs> he wanted to do a conversion. I said, mm. look, I'm past that. But at the same time, we can build with each other. If we as humans don't understand that, if we don't understand that we can be on two opposing sides of an issue and still build, then there really is no hope for us. We have to really come to grips with the idea that people don't see the world like us, but that doesn't mean that we're not uh, brothers and sisters just here trying to figure out how to make our experience here better for not only us, but for our children, and for their children. You know, that's that's what this is all about for me. It's about building the world for uh, building a world worthy of 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 our children. We don't want to hand them the same thing that. That we that we were given, you know, we're trying. There's people here, and everybody, every with you two, I know that you're actively trying to make the world a better place, and that is something that some people, is you know, they they. What are you even trying for? <laughs> you know, what are you even trying? What do you even want to do, Rob? I know with this with your nonprofit. In Baltimore and stuff like that's that is that it may just be one city, but that's a step in 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 a better direction, you know, and just the same with your book and and not even just your book, but you know, the the um, reflexology and and just uh, having a a better understanding of the human system, you know, those are things that are making the world better. Well, you I, don't know. Also, I have this thing called the Veterans Care Fund I created. Oh man, that's see. You know. My intention is to—it's gonna—it's a religious charity, and um, the intention behind it is to assist veterans that have post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. We like to get rid of the D, so just PTS, and um, work with them locally here. And I have quite a few friends, and I've already helped them to one level or another to. Uh, be able to overcome the PST with um, 
natural holistic methods to um, basically teach them about different um, techniques and therapies that will totally give them more tools to assist them in their transformation to being healthy again mind body spirit connection and um, so I'm really hopeful that people will support that and um, donate to the Veterans Care Fund. Yeah, it's a good thing to get behind, you know. That's, yeah. It's a good thing to get. You can feel however you, you know, however you want about war and things like that. But one thing, you know, I, I don't, you know, me, I'm repulsed by war. I don't feel like it has any place in the world. But at the same time, for those who've been injured by war... I think that those have to be the people, those have to be some of the most, um, those have to be priorities to society. That, because they, they've they been broken in a way that I think is kind of unimaginable to most people. Broken two ways. Broken in the, uh, on the way of going out there and, and, fighting wars that we know nothing about and just like you said the war in general and then coming back and getting no care no help and feeling i gotta imagine i feel like you you know your self-worth which i think is a big thing is you gotta feel like it's just not there nobody cares i mean the amount of money we spend on war and the amount of money we spend on the people that carry out that war is such a huge difference it's ridiculous so we need to put that, I hate war too, and I don't understand it, never will understand it, but, you know, these guys come back and, and, I they mean, get medicated, yeah, we, we're, we're just shoving, putting them on a line and giving them the number, and then hoping, that, you know, somebody else takes care of them, you know, I've been down to the veterans, the uh, veterans uh, homeless shelter down in Baltimore, and there's there's programs for these guys, but the problem is they get out of their program. There's nowhere for them to go. So what are they supposed to do? They only get a certain amount of time in each of the programs, and then you know they go back out in the street, or they or something worse happens to them. So you know it's easy to use them as you know ways to prove points and you know that kind of thing, but we really need to start taking care of them. And not just them, but the homeless in general, you know, you know, homelessness will, will become a greater problem. The more, the more we less, the more we don't stop caring about other people, I think. Well, in, in um, general, like, <coughs> as a society, and I'm not really the biggest on society thought patterns, but um, I think in any organization and any people you're only as strong as your weakest so if our weakest are on medications yeah. and um uh depressed and suicidal and Homicide. i think there's 24 veterans kill themselves a day in this country and um like we're only as strong as that yeah. so i'm really passionate about finding solutions that doesn't involve medis- medication. That's like a short-term answer. But um, yes. I'm thinking like therapy and techniques and um, just self-discovery, um, learning how to love themselves and forgive themselves, like all those things need to be addressed, addressed equally. 
So, uh, you know, I don't know what it says about a society that w- doesn't think about the 24 that commit suicide a day, and you don't hear about that, but cares more about some celebrity that o- overdosed on some kind of drug or something, and they get gets 10 million, you know, views or hits or whatever on social on social media. And the fact that 24 die a day, and you very rarely hear that. I didn't. Even, I they forgot kill about themselves. Yeah, they kill themselves. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I knew that, but I didn't. How many? It's been so long. I even heard that. Yeah. You know, and and didn't even think about it. You know, and there's 42,000 homeless veterans in this country right now. I mean, so they come back, and some some way somehow they become homeless. And how does that even happen in a country that sends? Spend seven hundred and sixteen billion dollars on war. I don't and, know. And the thing about it is, is that it's a, it's a that's such a mind-boggling concept that somebody went thousands of miles to risk their lives for something that they probably didn't even have a clear understanding about. At the they, very least. At the very least. And well, they're a young they get age. Injured. They get yeah. injured. Come back here. And then uh, find out that really, you know, you would think, hey, I'm, I'm a hero. Yeah. You would think that, you know, you would think that. And then when you come back, you'd be like, oh, well, actually, this society really doesn't have much place for me. Because, I mean, in reality, you're usually dealing with people who are spiritually, mentally, and sometimes physically broken. Yeah. Um, War, uh, listening to people talk about actually being in war. I like, I love listening to people who were in Vietnam or in like the Gulf Wars, you know, because they they can communicate something that is lost on most of us because we're never in those situations, you know how. What do you do when when you watch all the people who you've been talking to for the last year get blown up? What do you you know? What do you do in that situation? You know that can take you to we. I guess what I mean is, is we t- we we focus in this society on certain things that happen to us that, in comparison, are just like you know. You you mad you don't didn't get a job, you know you get yeah. you mad you didn't get a job. This guy might watch this whole like platoon or whatever get blown up, you know, and, and that that's a certain that's a certain communication that can only come through a certain experience, and it just makes me feel like I I have a lot of hurt for them because it's like this has been going on. This isn't anything new. This is, as long as there's been rulers, there's been people going to do their dirty work and becoming these broken people. And we're only living in times now that is even starting to address these ideas of post-traumatic stress. And yeah. Nobody couldn't have told Genghis yeah. Khan's yeah. army... Hey man, what I think you're talking you could, about weakling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't I tell Genghis Khan's army. Yeah, I think he got PTSD, hey, man. Um, you, you watched all them people get hacked up, man. We're gonna have to take you in to the psychologist. He's gonna have to check you Maybe out. Maybe a lobotomy. You know that this is <laughs> only 
This is only recent, but it's good. It's good that both of you uh, uh, have have seen that these are these are people. If anybody who needs some help, and you've taken real steps, we can't we can't wonder why it's so mind boggling. We can't say how does this happen. You guys have actually taken steps to remedy the situation, which is always the solution. Don't ask how or why. It's kind of like basketball. You ever see uh, you, you ever, when you're playing and, uh, you know, you and this happens to people, but you can be hung up on a play that happened three plays ago because something happened. Maybe a guy hit you or maybe you missed a shot or you turned the ball over. Something didn't go your way. The most proactive thing you can do is to say, hey, things like that happen in basketball. And I'm in this situation, in this moment right now, and if I don't fully immerse myself in the moment, I'm probably going to make one of them other mistakes and then be thinking about that in another three plays. So, like I said, taking taking the initiative and really going at these things, that's, 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 that's a very admirable thing. I think we I need to talk. We need to talk about more solutions. Yeah. And I was a really bad. I can point out all the all the problems, but at some point we need to start talking about solutions. And you know, that's the that's a bigger bigger thing to do than it is trying to figure out, you know, whatever tweet that just came out yesterday or today. Start talking with each other about solutions and and looking at ourselves in the mirror and say, what can we do instead of looking at somebody sitting in an office that has, that, that has no, no, I has no chance of connecting with, with any people below him or her. So we just start looking in the mirror and try and figure out some solutions that we can do. Like I said, just 10% of the population would just wake up tomorrow and say, I got an idea. It doesn't have to be a great idea, but I have an idea to help somebody or help something be better. Imagine what that would do. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I think I think I think we I think it's a pretty good place to to, yep. to try to transition out. Um, but now, Mike, I definitely wanted you to you know um, close out with some 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 things that you really. Uh, might have wanted to communicate to the people and, and definitely let people know uh, where where they can find you yep. um, so that they can uh, definitely get some of the, the, the wisdom and knowledge that you have. We'll put Mike's email address and contact information at the bottom in the description somewhere. So if you do want to get in contact with him, you, you have the ability to do that. Yes. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Will, for sharing your um, beautiful experiences and awareness. Um, very oh. conscious. Oh, thank you for for coming on. You yep. know, we, I mean, I do know that this is the most listened to podcast in the world, but millions. You know, you know. Hey, it's the beginning we, of we millions. We had to fit you in. It was and tight. We, the list is long. The We're list off is for long. Packing up all your stuff and bringing it over no, to my uh, house. That's no problem. Really appreciate it. It was just glad you could come on and and talk energy. to us. Like you said, you're solution oriented, and um, that's what we need. I support you. I 
appreciate what you're doing with uh, working in Baltimore, and you've inspired me about you know getting a nonprofit and uh, hiring some interns. <laughs> <laughs> they get awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah you guys are the big time. No, we're on the path. We're all three leaders here. We're on the path. We're making a difference. We're helping out. Most importantly, our intention is to help others. Absolutely. And uh, we can rally around that, and hopefully we can get more people that are going to be working with us and sharing these type of ideas uh, with others and bringing answers and solutions. And most importantly, we're bringing unconditional love to others. And um, it's gonna, it blesses us. It blesses you. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of it. Thank you. Hey, thanks well, a lot. Thanks for thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week, hopefully with another interview. Um, we're trying to hammer that out, but thanks for listening, guys and gals, and we'll see you on the flip side. <laughs> Later. Bless you.